0: We've been making History of Westeros podcasts since 2012, and back then we noticed how much the backstory predicts the rest of the story. The years after have only reinforced this concept. I mean, we weren't the first people to notice that, certainly, but we certainly focused on it as much as anybody. Especially given all the wealth of A Song of Ice and and Fire history that's come out since the early days, there's just so much more to play with. Fire and Blood, The World of Ice and Fire, and others have given extra detail to parallels that already existed, too. But... Maybe ones that weren't as well known. So in other words, the history books have pointed us to things we could have potentially noticed already. Uh, but now it, things are a little stronger, a little tighter. Uh, for example, though, let me give you an example. The parallels between the young wolf, Rob Stark, and the young dragon, Daron First. That's maybe one of the biggest parallels we have. In 2001, when I read the first three books that were out so far... Uh, You could say Rob was already dead by then, (laughs) but let's pretend I read them before. Let's pretend I read them, and you guys all did too, before Storm of Swords. Let's say we were there when Storm of Swords came out, and we had all read the first two books. So imagine that. Rob's still alive. Imagine us noticing back then that the young dragon and the young wolf had a lot in common. For instance, just starting with that nickname, right? Like young wolf, young dragon. We could have at least noticed that much, right? Uh, maybe Maybe we would have noticed a lot more. Maybe we would have noticed... Quite a bit. Let me give you some examples of what we could have seen. But before you think we should have noticed more, let's not be too hard on ourselves. Because another lesson uh, that we've driven home over the years with our show here is that, uh, and it's one of the main reasons I say Valar reread us, is that George R. R. Martin often likes to reveal the answer before he reveals the riddle. For example,
1: Daron Targaryen was only 14 when he conquered Dorne, John said. The young dragon was one of his heroes.
0: A conquest that lasted a summer his uncle pointed out your boy King lost 10,000 men taking the place and another 50 trying to hold it Someone should have told him that war isn't a game. He took another sip of wine Also, he said wiping his mouth Daron Targaryen was only 18 when he died or have you forgotten that part? That is a Game of Thrones John one <laughs> one his first chapter Uh, We're told he had a series of successful conquests that he couldn't hold, and then he died. It's a pretty basic telling of the story, but that's Rob's arc from a high level. I mean, obviously it leaves out a lot of detail, a lot of nuance, but that's Rob's arc as a a whole, right? From John's first chapter. But how are you going to catch that on on your first read? In John's first chapter, you hardly even know who Rob is yet. So, it's pretty hard to be looking for massive character foreshadowing when you're just getting to know the characters in the first place. It's not necessarily what people expect. So, let's imagine this scenario again. We've all been discussing this together. Let's say we had a podcast back then, before 2001, and we were digging as deep as we do now back then. I think we would have caught it if we were all working on this together, if we had a podcast, and, and, you know, and, and to be fair... Some people did notice this back then. I'm not saying that, you know, we are like the first ones to catch this stuff. Still, putting these things in perspective really changes a lot. And it's all really cool because we have more to work with now, like I said. Back then when we only had three books, well, you know, <laughs> that was still a lot of material. But now we just have so much. And there's not that much more to, with the Daron the Young Dragon and Rob Stark story in terms of parallels, even though it looks so obvious now. Because, frankly, George R. R. Martin had a lot of other things to foreshadow, right? It's an epic story. He had a lot of other characters to explain and foreshadow their fates for. But, uh, just to drive this point home, though, guess how many other mentions of Daron the Young Dragon there are in A Game of Thrones. If you guessed zero, you are correct. How about A Clash of Kings? When Rob is actually conquering the South, well, south of his kingdom, which is what Daron the Young Dragon was doing, well, by invading Dorne, right? Conquering to the south, it's all perspective. Once again, zero. Zero mentions of Daron in Clash of Kings. King Daron does come up, but it's Daron the second, as in Daron the Good. We're talking about Daron the first. So what about a storm of Swords? Surely there's some young dragon mentioning before Rob's death? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> there's quite a few mentions of, the, ro- of uh, the young dragon, but they're after the red wedding. That's right. Zero mentions before the Red Wedding, quite a few after. For example, minor things like Edric Storm boasts to Shireen that his father Robert Baratheon won three battles in one day, something that even the young dragon never did. Or more tellingly, Oberyn, relaying the story of the Lord Tyrell who had a hundred red scorpions dropped on his head while in bed, that anecdote includes this line. His death
1: lit a fire that soon swept across Dorne, undoing all the young dragon's victories in a fortnight.
0: Pretty fair to say Rob's victories were undone by his death too, so Oberyn's line is very much foreshadowing for what happens immediately after Rob's death, which is what had just happened at this point. And that the last reference in A Storm of Swords, it's almost like George was like rubbing it in our noses afterwards by reminding us of this parallel after the fact, and reminding us that he already told us what was gonna happen to Rob. This is John 12, A Storm of Swords.
1: Every morning they had trained together since they were big enough to walk. Snow and Stark, spinning and slashing about the wards of Winterfell, shouting and laughing, sometimes crying when there was no one else to see. They were not little boys when they fought, but knights and mighty heroes. I'm Prince Aemon the Dragon Knight, John would call out, and Rob would shout back,
0: Well, I'm Florian the Fool! Or Rob would say, I'm the young dragon. Indeed, Rob had his Florian the Fool arc. A knight who isn't really a knight, you know, Rob is a chivalrous and a good fighter, but technically not a knight, falling for a maiden. Yeah, he had his Jane Westerling moment for sure, but of course, he's even more like the young dragon as we've been saying, who was killed under a peace banner, which is not terribly dissimilar to killing someone at a wedding. And George R. R. Martin literally has him shout there in this this paragraph, I'M THE YOUNG DRAGON! (laughs) It's like he's yelling it at us. (laughs) Yet it was still pretty subtle. (laughs) Even though he's yelling it at us. I love that so much. So the details of Daron's life wind up matching Rob's even more after the fact. Because the world of ice and fire, a feast for crows, Fire and Blood, et cetera, added more to the story. Well, not really Fire and Blood. Daron the Young Dragon's not so much in Fire and Blood because he wasn't born yet. But I imagine Fire and Blood 2 is going to uh, fill that out a bit more. But even without the additional sources, the manner of Daron's death foreshadowing that of Rob's, I mean, as we said, I, I we spelled it out for you. It was fairly strong, but expertly hidden, right? So, hmm. not everyone loves A Song of Ice and Fire history like us Westorians here. And of course, there are many things we love about it to go beyond foreshadowing. It's not all about foreshadowing. We're not all just trying to figure out what happens here. You know, that's not that's not the, uh, the be-all end-all of A Song of Ice and Fire analysis, but it does prove, at the very least, how much value there is in A Song of Ice and Fire history of beyond just having a great time with it. Uh, which to me is enough, but hey, there's more. The Young Wolf and the Young Dragon might be a gateway To this concept of parallel lives because the connection is shown to us in so many ways both before and after the fact and of course the obvious naming convention is a a clear way to, to draw to it. But wow, it does not end there. The Targaryen family tree, for example, is not just a backdrop or a necessary evil of world building. It's not just George R. R. Martin indulging in excess backstory that doesn't apply to the main storyline. It's a direct lens into his intent for many, if not most, of the characters. We have a, a pairing, or two, or maybe three in a few cases, for Daenerys, Jaime, Cersei, pretty much everyone, and many of the less important ones too. Which, by the way, it's fun to see which ones we don't have great parallels for, because that by itself is a good thing to look look at. These are connections built from noticing large numbers of similar traits, circumstances, arcs, goals, you name it. And if so much between one character matches up with another, then, well, what else does? My attitude is fairly straightforward here, I think. If, if I missed a parallel when Rob shouted the name of a character he parallels, if I missed that, if you missed that, if we missed that, then surely we missed other stuff, right? And I know I missed that the first time. I missed it the second time. I don't even know if I caught it the third time. So this motivation is really central here for us these days because George has given us so many of these additional pages of history. And if we realize that the history tells us so much, then these history books, by extension, should tell us a lot. And we, you guys know that already. But, we, but this is, uh, you know, our way of, of really digging into the specific part of that. So uh, we're going to find some more versions of George shouting at us in the maesterly POV structure rather than the uh, POV style. Yeah, so let's get going, but we got a couple Super Chats here. Looks like... Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, we got one from LML for 666, of course. <laughs> Valar Azizis.
0: <laughs> we have Valar Azizis. We have from San Rixi and Valar Ashea for, for 420. Craig Mulvey, Ashea <laughs> Doharis, Harris 666. Uh-huh. Peg Leg Pete Double 420 840 420 for each of you And Fred Fred Targaryen's Uncle Daddy 747 Fanar Umbus
1: <laughs> And from Matthias C He didn't attach A note But then he attached An image Of the Necronomicon
0: Oh cool A reference um, perhaps To us finding The Necronomicon On our uh, Game stream
1: uh-huh. Uh
0: Which Which by the way Deserves an announcement We found the Necronomicon In uh, Crusader Kings 2 For Game of Thrones And then uh, it killed your game Which is kind of did kill our game not intentionally but you know that's kind of fitting the, our last stream was this Friday we do them every other friday and it just kept the game kept crashing i had to cut the stream early we couldn't get past the same point doesn't make for very good Streaming when your game just keeps crashing at the same point. So we've been looking for a reason Unless to... you're playing
1: a racing game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's pretty normal, yes. <laughs> so we've been looking for a reason to restart the campaign. You know, it's it's always a, a thing when you're playing that game. You just At some point, you want to start over and yeah. start a new house. And, uh... I'm
1: pushing for you to play a different game for a week or
0: two. Yeah, I'm know. thinking about doing that. That's definitely a good idea because of the timing of the next update for the game isn't lining up extremely well. With when we have our next stream, so we may do a different game at least for a week or two. Yeah, and, just switch uh, it up. We'll see. Yeah, so we're still working on that. Um, it's not the not not the highest priority, but we will figure it out shortly. Uh, higher priority is um, some of our other episodes that are coming out. We have um,
1: the biggest news. The biggest
0: news, of course, is Blood Raven Three is is ready. It's out for patrons. Uh, for five dollar plus patrons, it will be up as soon as this live stream ends. Within about 15 minutes, we just have to, you know, do the, the clicking and all that to get it up. But it went up for Sun on Sunday uh, for $7 plus patrons, and it'll be out for everybody on Sunday, this coming Sunday, which is... What day is that? That's... Uh, the 24th, right? The 24th, yes, you're right. 24th. So perfect. So that'll be then, and uh, we're going to do one of those premiere dealios, I think, if we can get that to work properly. So... Also, another announcement we have our last Fire and Blood stream. Oh, wait, no,
1: here it is. Oh. It was just before we started.
0: Oh, okay. It was just
1: okay. before Marley, here it is. Season 8 is almost here. Thank you to you both for the all the excellent content leading up to the final season. Cats rule. <laughs> cats we do, do agree, rule. Cats rule. Hopefully, they'll
0: make an appearance this yeah, episode. Hopefully both Thank you very around. much, Mara. Yes, yeah, Season yeah. 8 is uh, upon us, and we're going to be announcing uh, another Saturday stream uh, soon ish to. Talk a little bit more about the show, as well as we're going to show um, some images from some of the great Game of Thrones art books that are coming out as a part of the final season fanfare. Yeah,
1: immediately coming out is the storyboard book for Game of Thrones, uh, which is very exciting, I think. But then this fall, there's like a whole, you know, three other books coming out as well.
0: That's right. So we're going to be, we have access to some of those. we got some press kits and we'll be sharing uh, some stuff with regard to those and adding some season eight thoughts. So that'll be a Saturday stream and that'll be soon-ish. We'll announce that shortly. So again, next week will be our last Fire and Blood stream. That's going to be on the Sea Snake. Um, we've got until some,
1: after the TV season. Right, until after the TV sure, season. I'll we're going
0: to revisit. We're not we're sure back. what our post-season plans are just yet. We'll be figuring that out during the season and uh, let you all know. We are going to be recording our first Dance of the Dragons episode with Radio Westeros very soon. It will be, our current plan is to record it, I believe on the, or before the 25th. So we're going to hopefully have it released by around the first week of April. We'll see. Not a a hard and fast date, but keep an eye out for that soon. Mm. Let's get going with the, were we going to mention this?
1: What, we, what did you want to mention?
0: Just that you were oh, about doing this?
1: Yeah, we're still planning. Um, I guess we'll. it's more likely, I suppose, that we get to it after the TV season. Yeah. Um, but we had our Why We Love, like Why We Love Animals of ASOF series. Now we're going to do Why We Love ASOF art. And we're planning on inviting a few guests on. Notably, we want to have our... Our lovely Sanrixian, yeah. of course, Michael Carfeld, if feel will grace us with his presence. Um, perhaps Draft Ergy, who's going to be doing some art for us, will want to join. And we're still thinking about that. But already, that's a pretty stacked uh, lineup. So yeah, guests that'll be fully to too. be
0: announced, but that's a bit of a tease for what we're expecting. Mm.
1: We got a super chat from Thomas Pappas, who said, Just because Bloodraven 3 looks so damn amazing, people are in for a real
0: treat. Yeah, the uh, video quality on that one is really a step up, a big step up. We, uh, as we mentioned before, we have Zach Louie from Game of Owns come down and film it with, with us with his red camera, with his really saying. awesome camera. So that is the reason it looks much better. And uh, mm-hmm. wish we could afford a camera like that. It's really, really <laughs> a fantastic camera. It's, it's really something seeing that kind of quality. Thanks to our patrons who make the show possible. I usually do these announcements, uh, a couple of shout outs at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> you got
1: so distracted by all the super chats.
0: Yeah, we had a lot of activity here, a little flurry of uh, chats here. So thanks, everybody. But yeah, let me take care of that. Thanks to Jeff Gnarly, the long snapper, history of Westeros' first sword as well as our dragon rider patrons. That includes Talanes the Talon, King of Gagathos, rider of Telerius, the red dragon with scales, horns, and talons of midnight black, and Robert IV of House Ardeacor, burned king of Blazewater Bay, rider of Atroxus, the black dragon with bioluminescent spots like smoldering embers, and a banded blue tail. Right on, yeah. That's certainly folks like that who have made this research possible. Uh, I, I started making a spreadsheet with all these Parallel lives in them to kind of get a Sort them a bit and kind of get an idea of how many we have for each character and uh, maybe look for patterns things like that and So I did divide some of these into subcategories, but to start off I'll tell you that we have over 60 of these now a He lot-
1: means 60 pairings not 30 pairings with 60 people right mm-hmm.
0: 60 pairings exactly good good good
1: Clarification. Clarification,
0: yes. I see, <laughs> I need you to also fill in my... Blanks? Yes. <laughs> uh, and some of these we've explored in previous episodes, and a lot of them have been on Twitter. So people who follow us on Twitter, you've seen a few of these already, maybe a lot of them. But some of these you haven't. And yeah, uh, you know, we, we talked about how these are sometimes hidden, and... I've talked about how there's more to find, given the greater wealth of information we have these days, as compared to that hypothetical back in 2001, pre a Song of uh, a storm of swords scenario. George R. R. Martin has gotten a bit more sophisticated and thorough, and possibly tricky as well with these. As confident as I was/slash am with that, "Egg on the Third is Jon Snow" stuff, the whole little Daenerys dying of the shivers in fire and blood is perhaps a red herring of a parallel. So that's what I mean by George getting tricky because he started to seem to realize that p- the fandom is really attentive and he doesn't want us to figure out everything as if we could. But <laughs> but he wants to, you know, maybe throw us off a little, give us more to think about, you know, he's mm-hmm. Doing his thing. He's aware. Uh, he doesn't pay a whole lot of attention to what people are discussing on forums. But but
1: people bring it to him.
0: People they specifically do. specifically <laughs> comment
1: true. and go to him in person and talk to him about these things and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, right you are. He's aware.
0: Very true. All right. So, let's go. I've got, a, like I said, I have a couple of these in categories. One thing that, uh, that can fool us, as I said, a lot of these foreshadow uh, the, what, the fates of current characters we have to worry about that. We can along with the caveat about red herrings, we have to be careful with predicting l- using the deaths of historical char- figures to line up with the current story characters because every historical character has to have a death because they were in the past. So he has to write a death for them. So that doesn't mean that every single death is going to line up the same yeah. way. Uh in fact, most of them probably won't. But it's more like large parts of their lives or character arcs or personality line up. They don't all line up. If they all lined up, well, it wouldn't be that subtle. We would have, you know, these would have, would, would have been noticed a lot longer ago. They would have been a lot more obvious. So so, there's a couple of these that are more in the fully formed category. We'll start with one that's a little straightforward in my mind. Uh, Damon Blackfire. And Renly Baratheon. Some of these, all I'll kind of let you all guess on, but some of the more straightforward ones, I'll just throw them out. <laughs> well, what do the two have in common? On the surface, I think you can see a few things that are similar, maybe a few things that aren't. Honest obviously, Damon being a, a, a fantastic warrior isn't wasn't really something mm-hmm. about Renly. Renly wasn't much yeah. of a fighter. They both had Targaryen blood, though, but without yeah. being actual Targaryen daemon clearly more targaryen than renly given both of his parents were targaryen but technically because he was a bastard he wasn't and of course we know that renly his grandfather or grandmother rather was targaryen both of them were very very popular right very well liked and chivalrous and handsome and on the same token they had an older brother both of Mm -hmm. whom were not popular not so chivalrous And not so handsome. In the case of Daemon Blackfyre, Daron the Good, who was a good king, but he wasn't super popular with a large swath of the Westerosi population, especially uh, nobility, especially the knightly class, because he made peace with Dorne. And, of course, that uh, led to usurping the same brother uh, and take the Iron Throne by force. In the case of Renly, it was during a time of flux. Right, there was the War of Five mm-hmm. Kings had just begun. Renly recognized how unpopular his brother was. He had the Tyrells backing him, which gave him a huge edge. Meanwhile, Damon Blackfire was uh, rebelled against a sitting king. He was had been king for a while, so there's a little bit of a difference there. But in both cases, they were killed by their brother. And in both cases, there was some magic rumored to be involved. Blood Raven's arrow, rumored to be guided by black magic obviously the shadow baby. There's no Mm -hmm. rumor about black magic there in terms of readers. We know it was black magic. In terms of the story though, it's just a rumor that there was magic involved just like it was with Bloodraven. So right there, there's a lot in common. But again, riddle before the answer. Damon Blackfire didn't even exist as a character when Renly Baratheon died. So it wasn't exactly a predictive uh, parallel in this case. It's just a, a straight parallel life. Uh, did we get? Uh, did we have any more chats in there? We
1: did get a super chat from Maura Lee who said, for a share, and your excellent musical theme at the beginning of each video. That oh. song is by Joey Townsend. Yes,
0: Joey Townsend. Thank you to Joey. Shout out to Joey for his uh, th- work on the theme song. And yeah, we've had this theme song for like eight years, and it's kind of hard to imagine our show without it. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, just a just a a part of who we are now. <laughs> Um, so I think that's about it for, for Damon and Renly. There's always little other bits and pieces you can tie together here and there. And that's one of the reasons I like throwing these out, because this is such a smart fandom. Some of y'all would probably notice other little things. Maybe big things, too. it has got
1: one parallel with another Fire.
0: What's that? <laughs> He's oh, <laughs> yes, you know. not, Renly not so into women. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Damon Second. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a very good call. <laughs> now, uh, unlike Damon, Renly had no kids, which is more like, also more like Damon II, yeah. <laughs> who didn't have kids. Because Damon Blackfire had seven kids, and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, yeah, Damon Second being Damon's son, not his uh, brother. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, let's move on to the next one. That's a really fun one. Another kind of straightforward one, I think, is, and one that's kind of, like I said, fully formed. There's no, we might get more detail on it, but it's not predictive because both the characters are dead, is Baylor Breakspear and Rhaegar Targaryen. This is another one that couldn't have been noticed ahead of time because it's one that happened after the fact. Baylor was barely introduced prior to uh, Feast for Crows. It came out during the Hedge Knight. And obviously Rhaegar, you know, long dead before the series started. Uh, so not, not exactly predictive, but very much parallel. Both characters are popular, serious, honest, excellent warrior, gifted warrior, known for it, uh, heir to the throne. Both have that Targaryen-Martell connection. It's a little more direct for Baylor because he is half Martell, whereas Rhaegar married a Martell. Uh, both were heir to the throne, like I said, but they were both killed before they could inherit it. So the heir changed underneath them. And they were both killed by a man who became king. In Rhaegar's case, well, Robert killed him. That's straightforward enough, right? And in uh, Baylor Breakspeare's case, it was his own brother, Makar, who killed him. And Makar eventually became king as well. Now, in this case also, the children and the father all died at near the same time. After Baylor dies, not long after, the Great Spring Sickness comes, and pff, that's that for Baylor's family. And, of course, right after Rhaegar's death, well, his kids, one of his kids... Both of his kids. Both of his kids died. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm definitely on team Fagon is a Blackfire. Uh, but, it, you know, it's certainly possible to conceive of that as only one of his kids died. Either way, the, the parallel holds. So that's pretty strong, I think. Um, but again, not predictive. One more of these kind of fully formed was as an example. And then we'll get into some uh, maybe a little more predictive ones. Mm-hmm. This one is one we talked about in our Blackfire coverage as well. Um, very early in the Blackfire coverage. So this would have been years ago. And this one is Viserys II and Tywin. Uh, in the case of Viserys II and Tywin, we have a lot of very, very similar things. Both had, In both cases, their mother died young. In both cases, their wife uh, left, quote unquote left. Of course, in Tywin's case, his wife died. In Viserys's case, his wife left. In both cases, it seemed to really change their personality. Viserys was sort of a... A pretty upbeat, positive guy who became pretty serious after his wife left him. And Tywin's case, well, we never really see him being that way, but we certainly hear it's, it's said multiple times that he was a different man before Joanna died. Mm-hmm. That the, the, he, the laughter died with her, that sort of thing. That his smiles died with her. Then we also have uh, three, exactly three kids, which is an interesting parallel. Both of them had a prodigy son who joined the Kingsguard very young. In Viserys' case, it was his second son, uh Aemon the dragon knight, one of the most famous knights ever. And in uh, Tywin's case, of course, it's Jamie's. Very straightforward there. Also, in both cases, the daughter uh, hated the king, or married the king and hated him. <laughs> in this case, it was Cersei marrying Robert and hated him. Very straightforward there. And in Viserys' case, we have Neres who had to marry Aegon the Unworthy and well, he was terrible to her and hated him. And so in both cases also, this sister who hated the king and had to marry him preferred her brother. <laughs> so, Marys <laughs> preferred Aemon the Dragon Knight and Cersei preferred Jaime. Huh. Boom. Pretty strong. And in both cases, there's rumors they were poisoned. In Viserys' case, there's rumors that Aegon the Unworthy himself poisoned him and there's rumors that, of course, Tywin was either poisoned by the Red Viper or that his body was kind of manipulated after mm-hmm. death. Neither of those rumors are super solid, but you could definitely see why. Because they both had made some enemies. Uh, Viserys m- from his own son <laughs> and Tywin just, well, all over. Tywin mm-hmm. made lots of enemies. <laughs> so that's pretty straightforward. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what is happening on we our... We've got
1: a super chat from Maud Mary 1. Parallel lives, Br- parallel lines, Brienne and Duncan the Tall.
0: <laughs> very true. Brienne and, Dun- uh, and Duncan the Tall are a very strong parallel. I didn't actually prepare that one for today. We'll probably go deeper into that one another one. But yes, absolutely, that is a parallel. George R. R. Martin has sort of let it slip that they're uh, related That Brienne is an ancestor, or rather a descendant, of Duncan the Tall. There's a couple of major clues to that. Her carrying his shield uh, is the biggest one. And then a couple pieces of language that relate Mm -hmm. them, like the language uh, thick as a castle wall is only ever said about her and Small Paul (laughs) Mm -hmm. and Dunk. Uh, And that phrase is said about Dunk a lot. So, yeah, we'll, we'll thicken that parallel up another day. But, yes, that's a really good one. Good catch. Glad to see that one mentioned. All right, so let's go to the next category, uh, which are some are actually more so direct that they're mentioned in world. Right, people could have noticed. Uh, for example, the young dragon and the young wolf parallels in the world. I don't think that's ever stated directly, except Stannis sort of relates the two, if I remember correctly, but no one explicitly says the young dragon sure is a lot like the young wolf, you know, but people straight up call Daenerys Aegon the Conqueror with teats. That's maybe the most straightforward parallel there is. She rides a big black dragon, just like him. She's getting ready to conquer Westeros. She's got three dragons, kind of like him. I mean, that one's just right there. That so, so it's mentioned in the story. We hardly even need to go deeper with that one because it is part of the storyline.
1: Yeah, it is extremely overt. But I mean, in terms of like the young wolf versus the young dragon or, you know, like compared, I do feel like some historian at some point in world, like we don't, we won't see it, but they're reading about it and they're like, oh, they're very similar. Their titles are, you know. That's I, a good point. Like someone would notice.
0: Yeah, we think about in the in-world maesters like ten or twenty years later, after yeah. a Song of Ice and Fire. You know, if there's just yeah. still a citadel and the ability for people to write. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if it's not just that the world isn't just that messed up. Yeah. Someone could sit down. Yeah, maybe maybe Sam or some of his Sam starts a new citadel, the Sam <laughs> the Citadel. The, yeah. yes. hmm. the high the, the Sam Tower. Yeah, the Sam <laughs> Tower. <laughs> Another one that's kind of that's almost mentioned directly in world it's basically is mentioned directly in the world, it kind of depends on how you look at whether it's technically mentioned as a direct parallel or not, is Theon and Torgon the Latecomer. Because Torgon the Latecomer's story is mentioned directly in reference to the King's moot, and it's explicitly stated that his story matches Theon's. Maybe not, not, stru- maybe not completely explicitly, but very unsubtly. In both cases, they're the son of a king, Theon and Torgon. And they have a similar name. Torgon is named Torgon the Latecomer, but his actual name is Torgon Greyiron. So Greyiron and Greyjoy. Mm. There you go. All brothers killed, but not by him. Theon's brothers were killed elsewhere and in Torgon's case also true. Torgon missed the King's Moot. He wasn't there. He was off reaving like a good Ironborn <laughs> should be, right? <laughs> and when he came back, he found out that they had a King's Moot without him and the guy who won killed off his brothers. So he had also made himself very uh, unpopular in in that time. Uh, He earned the nickname Bad Brother and Torgon was able to overthrow him. So this is very much foreshadowing Theon uh, with with help, most certainly, overthrowing Euron or at least taking his place at the Iron Islands after something else kills Euron, you know, somewhere else. It doesn't have to be Theon who kills Euron. It just maybe is him that picks up the pieces afterwards. This strongly, strongly suggests that Theon lives, uh, which is kind of hard to imagine right now, <laughs> given the shape he's in. He's hanging yeah. by a wall <laughs> from Stannis' captivity. Like, how is he possibly going to survive? But hey, so this is a good. This will be a good test of the of, of the parallel lives theory. It's it, we know it's not going to hold for all of them, but if Theon survives this his ordeal, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, we can say it was predicted. We can say it was foreshadowed. By Torgon, the latecomer. <laughs> Some of these are... I'm kind of moving on as, as they, these are going to get a l- less straightforward, uh, maybe more subtle as we move on. In this case, this next group of, of small pairings is people who have the actual same name. <laughs> so, right, it's kind of... They're, they're more straightforward in that sense. A really good example that is made more clear from Fire and Blood, but existed... Prior to *Fire and Blood*, is can't be sneaky with this one because it's the same name, right? Jane Westerling. We talked, about, <laughs> we definitely talked about this one in a prior uh, live stream. But since we're doing all these here together, we'll throw this one out a little bit. Uh, of course, both queens controversial marriage. Hmm, yes, because in, in uh, Rob's case, he said he uh, you know married her all of a sudden when he was betrothed to somebody else. In Megor's case, he was already married, <laughs> so you know double marriages. Uh, in both case, you know, they're both from the West, which, yeah, they're from the same house. <laughs> so, of course, they're <laughs> both from House Westerling. And they're both not far from Rain. Uh, in this case, we have the Reigns of Castamere <laughs> situation with uh, Rob and Tywin getting them uh, destroyed. And in the case of Magor, well, poor Jane Westerling's family was treated. Uh, pretty badly after uh, sh- her uh, saga went poorly, uh, thanks to Tiana and other things. So, very sad end to her her family situation there. Uh, but they, of course, survived. And also, in both cases, both of these characters very specifically uh, had been drugged against their will to abort any chance of them having a, a baby, to keep them from having a child. And in both cases... They were told it was fertility.
1: Very specific.
0: Very specific. <laughs> In Jane Westerling's case, uh, Jane Westling's case. Which one? Which In Jane? Which one? Yeah. the first Jane Westerling's case, we're told that she may have, you know, realized that this was a, a, a fertility, a mortificant that she's had no reason to trust Tiana, but that's a rumor. In Jane Westerling Rob's case, we know that she never figured it out. Well, she did figure it out after the fact. After Rob was killed, she all realizes it all now. And oh man, does she hate her mother for it. Uh, that's that's traumatic, no doubt. So, both of these stories kind of end in tragedy. Although I guess Jane Westerling the current is not te- her story is not technically over. She's still alive, though she is not pregnant with Rob's child. That we can be sure of. Okay, the next one. Another one with the same name that's a bit sneakier because they're not the same species. Oh, sneaky, sneaky. If you've heard our Nymeria of the Rhynar series, then you may know this one. Nymeria... (laughs) has a lot in common with Nymeria the wolf (laughs) yeah
1: not Nymeria sand
0: (laughs) right Nymeria sand doesn't have that much in common with Nymeria of the Rhoynar Mm -hmm. they do have a few things in common but less than Nymeria the princess (laughs) has with Nymeria the direwolf both are female okay that's Mm -hmm. that's pretty basic both are leaders Okay, that's still pretty basic. Associated with a giant river. Huh, that's less basic. You know, Nymeria said with the Roin, And Nymeria the direwolf is sort of like the new queen of the trident, in mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. sense. Associated with an ancient culture, right? The direwolf is the symbol of the old gods, where the Roinar are so ancient that there's tales that they existed prior to the first Long Night as the Roinar. They still have that same, like, cultural identity. Which is... <laughs> way old. <laughs> then both cases, both characters were forced into exile to avoid death. Nymeria fled the Roy- the collapse of the Roinar city-states in advance of the Valyrian slavers after, uh, what's his name, Garen the Great, his failed campaign. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, poor Nymeria uh, Aria had to Throw rocks at her (laughs) to force her into exile. Very sad. But in both cases... That's all the
1: Targaryens are really doing. They're just throwing rocks.
0: (laughs) Yes. Moon meteors, if you ask LML. (laughs) So, and after this, in this case of being sent into exile, in both cases, after the fact, both these characters were hunted by, you know, very powerful people. Um, by Not Targaryens in the case of Nymeria the wolf, but descendants of Targaryens, right? The, <laughs> sort of, it's really more of the Lannisters that were doing that, but they were married to the Baratheons who were descendants of the Targaryen. Anyway <laughs> Hunting, both of them being hunted is the, 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 the parallel here and in both cases they went from kind of a fragile but strong-willed character that was exiled in a refugee status to, and, and ended up gathering a whole bunch of followers into this large kind of army. Now, Nymeria the direwolf has a big old group of direwolves that George uh, R. R. Martin has... Wolves. Yeah, <laughs> wolf. Not, wolves. Not, sorry, not direwolves, you're right, just regular wolves. She's the only direwolf in that group.
1: Come to find out that most of them are women, all the wolves, and they're going to immigrate and marry in with... Some other wolves.
0: Well, really. <laughs> you know. It's really complete the parallel. <laughs> that's a good point. Yes, because that's right. Nymeria's uh-huh. people were mostly women, because a lot yeah. of the men had been killed in war, and then they married to the Dornish. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. So they'll they'll mingle with the the, <laughs> the wolves of the north, right? Yeah. <laughs> so another one that's pretty straightforward because the character has the same name, and this time they're the same species. It's Daenerys. And Daenerys. The Daenerys. Uh, the Daenerys, yes. They were one of they were a Roman family. <laughs> the Daenerys. Oh no, that's a Roman a coinage. Daenerys, coin, yeah. Danari, yeah. Ooh, is that what George <laughs> was thinking? Da- 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 Daenerys is a coin. <laughs> Another parallel life. <laughs> First We have comparing direwolves to people, now we have comparing coins to people. Now, in the Nymeria or in the Daenerys Daenerys parallel. We have uh, some of the stuff I think is pretty straightforward. Some of y'all probably already know parts of this. Both of them were are prin- were, were princesses. You know, Daenerys was uh, both of them princesses at their time. Daenerys, of course, our Daenerys is probably going to be a queen. She is a queen. She's crowned, but queen of the Iron Throne is a different matter. But in both cases, they were their life... Began by being given in marriage to a foreign kingdom by their brother. Not just <laughs> the, the specifics lineup, not just the marriage, not just to a foreign kingdom, but the brother was the one making this decision. In the case of uh, the first Daenerys, it was her brother Daron, the same Daron the Good that we discussed earlier. And of course, you all know that it was Viserys in the case of the Mother of Dragons. And in both cases, this brother married, or a brother married. Th- the ruler of Dorne's daughter. Not the same brother because in, in case of Viserys, he didn't marry, well, he didn't marry anybody. Rhaegar though, Danny's other brother, married Elia, of course. And Daron himself was married to Mariah Martell, who of course is obviously uh, Dornish. And we also have lots of time spent at a coolish place in the desert. In Daenerys the first case we have the water gardens which were built for her and if you also watch our Nymeria videos, there's some other foreshadowing with regards to the water gardens uh, That I'll not talk about here uh, Just tease that <laughs> and the water gardens Let's just say that I'm not I don't feel great about the fate of the water gardens Let's mm-hmm. just say that and in both cases they show concern for common-born children the first Daenerys allowed young people of common birth to you <laughs> frolic
1: in the water garden frolic
0: in the water garden and she made this a great observation that with their clothes off and you know just kids in the water they with their know.
1: clothes off all kids look the same is that what you're about it's to say it's kind of creepy
0: yeah right it's like wait a minute you got an adult like talking about naked kids wait a second I thought this was uplifting and beautiful <laughs> hey someone noticed your shirt
1: uh, a lot of people noticed both that's of awesome. our shirts oh, that's so cool happening. yeah mine it's isn't so parallel
0: you know better still I don't know Do
1: you have, you have a big parallel we do too, have a better still I'm parallel so in this episode so. whereas I have three john ralphio's parallel parallel john
0: ralphio's (laughs) if you don't know john ralphio it's the show parks and rec fantastic hilarious show it's the best it's the best and he's the
1: worst no he's the best No, he's the best (laughs) best.
0: but he calls himself the worst in the show inside joke for that show mona
1: lisa saperstein his twin sister the worst to be clear aziz (laughs) that's right she's the worst Okay, and they are the child go. of Henry Winkler. <laughs> yes, this is now a show about Parks and Recreation.
0: <laughs> oh, but only John Ralphio. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. So that's Danny and Danny. So keep an eye out for more Danny and Danny parallels moving forward, because of course Danny, a lot more story for her to come. We'll have to wait and see. Now here's one that comes to us from our hand of the Queen, mm-hmm. Stephen Stark. During our Twitteros uh, making of these parallel tweets, uh, which are usually presented as trivia, he noticed some parallels in The Hedge Knight between two characters that have the same first name. They're not the same whole name like some of these others. Humphrey Beesbury and Humphrey Harding. Jousted against their brothers-in-law at, during the, uh, the tourney at uh, Ashford Meadow. Both died in trial by combat. Almost 100 years ago, they have died in the same trial by combat. A relative in the current timeline married a Frey, which is, that's a really cool catch. We have Humphrey Harding and we have a Beesbury and a Harding marrying Freys. Of course, lots of people married Freys in the current timeline. (laughs) More than any other house, probably. But still, that's cool and very subtle. Good catch by Stephen there. Both of them fought beside a future heir to the throne. That's right. And both stood against a future king. Uh, In the case of, uh, because Makar and, uh, or sorry, sorry Makar and, um, which was the other king? Start standing against them. Uh, would that have been um, Egg, of course? Is that Egg? Am I getting that wrong? Anyway, you guys will correct me uh, <laughs> on that one. So good job, Stephen Stark, on that one. That one, I think, uh, fooled a lot of people because it's really tricky. Like Humphrey, most of these are, a fam- I have them in the spreadsheet listed as a familiar character and a less familiar character. And usually the familiar character is a current storyline figure and. The other, the less familiar, is a historical figure. In this case, they're both obscure historical figures. So that's really cool. Uh, And it's also a segue into our next section, which is all current character, no historical. So they're characters that parallel each other in the current storyline without a historical uh, example. One of the most straightforward ones, I think. Is Jon Snow and Ned Stark I hardly even need to describe it? They're both. They have similar personality. They take their duty very seriously. They have some sh- sh- shenanigans with switching a baby <laughs> or <laughs> hiding the identity of a baby, right? Monster <laughs> and uh, and John himself, right?
1: Both deal deal with breaking of vows.
0: Yes, uh, tough tough decisions with regard to vows and sex. Um, and sex, yes, and uh, all that stuff. So. It's 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 not just that they have similar storylines in some ways. they just have a lot in common as people. Like it's. I mean,
1: the, yeah, Ned's his father.
0: It's, it's certainly co- at the core of the R plus L equals J scenario, where even when John finds out that Ned's not his father, he's going to realize that Ned is his father. Yeah. Right. Ned didn't. Ned's not his sire. Rhaegar is his sire, but Ned is still his father. Ned's the one who raised him. Ned's the one he's liked. Like, not liked. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So that's just kind of a a gateway concept in some of these other ones. Because that one, uh, other people have described that one many times. Yeah, as LML says, yes, the arranging secret foster parents. That's a more succinct way of of describing the baby situation with uh, Monster and uh, John himself. (laughs) Uh, Another one is made pretty clear by their presence and how much they like each other. John and Stannis. This one I actually wrote a few actual bullets for, because I think some of these catches are, are maybe not quite as straightforward even though you guys are pretty on this one. Both are joyless, kind of st- very stubborn, very brave, not so comfortable with women, uh, we could at least say inexperienced with women, in both cases overshadowed by their older brother, Rob and rob <laughs> Who was named Rob was named for Robert, does so that makes sense. Both of them have progressive views on the wildings. The wildings are widely. I mean, it's it's pretty much fair to say that most of Westeros is racist against them. And but John was like, nah, we need them. We, they're just people. They're people like us. We need and we need them to fight the others. Stannis is maybe not so empathetic, but he's like, these are people. They're if they're in my kingdom, they're my subjects, and I need manpower. So yeah. Similar there, similar views there. Then, as far as their fates go, who knows? <laughs> but uh, both have been beyond the wall. Both are very much merit over birth type people. Hey, they both have a cool special sword, right? Um, Sanis's is not really that special, but it looks <laughs> special. <laughs> And they both arguably have the strongest claim to the Iron Throne. <laughs> Something that they might not uh Standis might not might not like John as much if he knew that about him. <laughs> it might uh differ on that point if it were known. But at the moment, I do
1: wonder what Stannis of them would know. really think if he knew. Yeah. Like in the one hand, I'd be like, I'm off the hook. I don't have he doesn't like really want to be king, is like what it is, honestly. Yeah. It's so, like if he really was like, well, I'm not happy that Rhaegar Targaryen did all of these things, but this is the rightful heir now. Stannis might just be gung-ho for Jon. Like, I don't know. I Mm. I feel like there's some of Stannis' pride wrapped up in there, as much as he says there isn't. But it would be a good out for him.
0: That's very true. Um and you wonder yeah, you really wonder how they're gonna react. You wonder if Stannis is gonna live long enough to see that reveal. That's one thing I wonder if, if he'll if it will even come up. Like Stannis yeah. may die before John yeah. finds I do that out. Want, I
1: do tend to think that he won't find out before John find like I, and, I don't think and that will happen, but yeah, maybe.
0: And will John think about Stannis as part of his like re, re, as part of the reveal and all the many thoughts that yeah. go through his head, is he gonna think about is, is Stannis wonder, gonna pop into his head at yeah, all? I wonder
1: if he'd be like if, if, if he would think about Stannis, like if, if Stannis dies, if he'd be like well, Stannis did his duty, and either a look what it brought him, or yeah. b I should do so too. I don't know.
0: Yeah, um, and as someone here, who I saw a good chat here, oh, someone yeah? says, uh, "Is that Iceland?" Who says both of them had a lady in red? That's yeah. a very good point. Stannis <laughs> with Melisandre and John two with ladies Ygritte. Kissed
1: by fire. <laughs> yeah, two kissed
0: by fire ladies. That's right. <laughs> and both of them said, "You know nothing, Jon Snow." <laughs> 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 Okay, but we're not paralleling a Grit and Melisandre. This is Stannis and Jon Snow. But still, there <laughs> are some, there are some a little few, a few parallels there as well. Okay, that's uh, that, <clears throat> that's a good one for them. Let's talk about the next one. Uh, this one's a little sneakier. I think the Jon Stannis one is pretty straightforward. The Jon Ned one's pretty straightforward. But Tyrion and Davos, mm-hmm. a lot in common actually, quite a lot in common. So let's go through that. And this one, I didn't. I couldn't really decide who was the lesser known and the more more known. I guess Tyrion's a little bit more known than Davos. He's introduced <laughs> sooner. I don't know. It's like they're both like pretty much top tier characters. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about that one. In Davos's case, they're both disrespected by their peers despite their achievements. And uh, in Davos's case, it's his birth is kind of a strike against him. But Tyrion is disrespected despite his birth by a lot of people because as much as Davos's low birth works against him. Normally, a birth like Tyrion's would work for him, and it does, it does, but not as nearly as well as it does for most people who, with that kind of high birth. Uh, both of them spend time in multiple dungeons. That's a <laughs> recurring theme for them both. Tyrion goes to the Sky Cells, uh, and and Davos, of course, is, spends time in the dungeons of Dragonstone, and then he spends time at the dungeons in White Harbor. And uh, so maybe it's just one for Tyrion. Either way, it's a very m- memorable Where do they hold him when
1: he's in, in, in?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. He does go do in the black. Yeah, of course, like, he's in the black cells before his, before his, before uh, his, before his duel, before yeah. Oberon's duel. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Okay, yeah, I, I knew there was another one. I just couldn't think of it. It's the, it yeah, the most obvious of all four of these. Yeah. And I couldn't think of it. So yes, so uh, they both spend time, and it looks like two dungeons each. <laughs> Maybe so Davos has more. I guess the sky cells are are dungeons. Right. Or they're or not really a dungeon. So let's we'll say in prison. prison cells. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's we have a more elegant way of doing things in the veil, as they say. Mm. let's see and of course let's see what else big do they one. have uh, so they're
1: both maimed
0: they're both very maimed yeah you're right missing that's a big one bo- a
1: body part of some sort missing fingers, stuff yeah nose. fingers nose
0: yeah <laughs> burns on uh, Davos's part yeah and they both get named hand of the king mm-hmm. right uh and in in if in that da- Tyrion's case he's named hand of the king and then uh, maybe he'll get named hand of the queen in the books uh you know of course that does happen in the show now Caveat: I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say stuff about the show I d- just did, but I'm gonna try not to say anything more about the show until the end. I'll have a warning for a couple of things that we're gonna use as show spoilers to try to make a few more parallels. But the vast majority I of this want, episode is one. not gonna. Not gonna include that. They both that.
1: have more reading in their chapters than is average. <laughs>
0: that's a really good point. Davos <laughs> learns to read, and we get the history from Shireen and, and this other <laughs> stuff, and yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. That Tyrion loves to read. Good one. Good one. <laughs> Now, this one's also fairly sneaky, and we outlined it in our Manderly series, Uh, Illyrio and Mm -hmm. Wyman. Yeah, Yeah. and it goes beyond their size, but of course, that's a good part of it. Now, this one's kind of fun for me in a different way, because as y'all know, a lot of these I write as tweets. I make them kind of like trivia. This one, I managed to make rhyme. Because he's got memed. I, got, I did get memed. <laughs> but this one's this one rhymes, so I'll, I'll, I'll read this one as, as a rhyme. Oh, Former God. warrior, now aged and obese. Lives in port city. Wife is deceased. Travels by litter. Light on his feet. Backs a boy king, but it's discreet. Likes to laugh. Watch out when he's roth. There are two answers. Can you name both? <laughs> 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 That's
1: lovely. So
0: uh, let's go through all those. Former warrior, yes. Uh, El- 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 Wyman apparently had, you know, sm- some small acclaim in the list and fought in Robert's Rebellion. So he certainly knew how to fight. He saw battle. Illyrio was a, you know, had a water dancer, was a bit of a water dancer as a, as a kid. As, it was a Bravo. Uh, lives in Port City. Okay. Pentos is a Port City. White Harbor, Port City, straightforward. Wife is deceased. Yep. Wyman Manderly's wife died at some point in the past. Uh, Illyrios married Sarah, and she died of uh, the Grey Plague. Both of them travel by litter, but they can, you know, they still are light on their feet. You can tell that uh, they are, um, you know, despite their being so overweight, they still have uh, the ability to move around a bit. Like I said, Back's a boy king, but it's discreet. Well, Wyman Manderly is backing Rickon as king in the north. Uh, well, arguably you could say he's just backing him as lord, and with Stannis as king. But either way, they're backing a boy claimant in secret. Of course, in Wy- Illyrio's case, it's definitely a king uh, candidate, which is Aegon the A.K.A. Aegon, A.K.A. Young Griff, A.K.A. Aegon Blackfire. So likes to laugh. Illyrio's a big laugher. He lacks his big booming laugh. Same with Wyman Manderly. And the last line is, "Watch out when he's roth." Well. <laughs> Sounds like you.
1: Nice <laughs> laugh, big booming laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Huh. Well, uh, dang!
0: It's a three-way parallel. <laughs> it's a it's a tripod.
1: <laughs> and Podrick in here too. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, so both of these guys are, are very uh, really nasty with their revenge. Wyman's, uh, you know, getting having people eaten and putting people in pies, and Illyrio, uh, well, his. Coming back on um, on the Targaryen dynasty with Varys here or whatever they're doing—it's not exactly clear—but man, they uh, they come back they come back strong. Uh, okay, so I think that's it for the uh, for the all current slash no historical category, and that's a good place for our um, mid roll uh, shout outs. We got mm-hmm. a couple of uh, a couple of new people to shout out today. A couple of special shout outs. Yeah. Let's g- but first of all, we have some recurring ones from our lovely blood riders including Vorsaki, wielder of the Valyrian Steel arak with a Dragonbone Hilt, Kohalcohi, called Sunpiercer, wielder of the Dragonbone Bow, and Kokavo the Tamer, wielder of the Wildfire Whip Gehenna. And also we have our Ironborn Captains. Time to give them a shout out. We give the Ironborn Captains and Northern Champions and... Sellsword Captains, a shout-out, sort of rotating every third episode. Sometimes we uh, tweak that based on the topic. We try to, like, we try to make them fit yeah. what we're talking about whenever yeah. possible. it so. kind of
1: silly not to say Ironborn Captains if we were doing a joy episode.
0: You know, yeah, so. right, yeah. And when we do stuff in the North, you know, it's kind of how we run it. So, shout-outs to Black Macho Stormrider, Captain of the Rusted Hinge. Oysun the Wanderer, Captain of Naga's Living Flame. Sir Selvas Redblade of White Harbor, Captain of Trident of the North. Lord Chuck Laws, Captain of the Droman Nightblood, Destroyer of Evil. Hey Chuck, how you doing? John Gregor, Captain of the Fist of the Drowned God. Sir Kiron of Lonely Light, Scourge of the Sunset Sea, Captain of Naga's Breath, a Droman armed with Siphons of Wildfire. Aileen is Archer Queen, Captain of the Border Collie. Crimson Kate is Captain of the Drowned Queen's Vengeance. Jasana the Just is Collector of Tolls, Captain of the Golden Gift. Lord Mitch of House Bailey is Captain of Widow's Blood. His heir is Lordling Mason of House Bailey. Beneath the Gold is a podcast focusing on lesser-known Song of Ice and Fire characters. Very worth checking out. And Phantom of House Physics is the Sunset King, motto Plato O Plomo, Captain of Leviathan's Banshee. Mm
1: -hmm. That's pretty
0: cool. Um, Also, a shout-out to Sir Terence Knight of the Cedars, who is a great example of someone who gives us Recurring support through PayPal rather than Patreon. Not everyone wants to use Patreon, but we also have the uh, ability for you to send donations through PayPal. You can just go to our website, historyofwesteros.com. There's a big button there for it. And if you do that, we will send you all of our bonus episodes. There's three of them. We have the Gogasos blood magic episode. We have two Aziz first chapter episodes, which is the Feast for Crows prologue and the Dance with Dragons epilogue. And... Another shout-out, a new one. From the depths of Flea Bottom, Lord Ken of House Hammer has declared
1: for Queen Carrie, Fire of the North, who recovered Dark Sister from beyond the Wall. Damn. Whoa. (laughs)
0: Uh That's cool. Right on. Yes, uh, we also have that available. Every once in a while, you uh, we get someone who wants to purchase a shout-out for someone else. And that's what this was. Very cool. We like it. We love it when people do that. Fun way to share the love and to spread it out. All right. Uh, also, want to mention our... Um, Conventions that we're going to, Ice and Fire Con, is April 28th weekend, mm-hmm. and we will be there.
1: That's the when the third episode of Game of Thrones will be.
0: That's right. The longest ever episode of Game of Thrones. It, it, it's apparently one hour and 22 or 23 <laughs> minutes, something like that, uh, and it will be longer than the episodes after it, too, so... Yeah. Longest episode in Game of Thrones history. You'll have a chance to watch it with us. How cool is that? So
1: if you're going, uh, let us know. Um, If you're thinking about going, use the code HISTORY. Probably if you're going, you've already bought your tickets or committed by now. But there might be some people who are on the fence, and I really hope you come.
0: That's right. And uh, also, Con of Thrones. If you can't make Ice and Fire Con, or hopefully you can make both, or you know whatever your schedule works out, we're also going to be at Con of Thrones. It's a much larger con, and the season will be over by then, so we'll have the mm-hmm. full analysis of the season there, plus a lot of other mm-hmm. panels
1: and some good, some cool guests, um, yeah. and other podcasters, and some actors from the show. So far, Jamie Lannister and Sam Tarley have been announced.
0: That's right. So that's very cool. Those are some big names. And you and can
1: also use the code History
0: there. That's right. That also gets you five dollars off your ticket purchase. So we made it easy for you. One discount code for both conventions. Uh, Let's go back to the Parallel Lives. Plenty Mm -hmm. more of them.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I would like to make one quick mention. Okay. Because I am so excited that if you are buying things from us through Amazon and you read the Expanse book, well, the new one comes out in just five days and both of us are ecstatic and you should... Use our links to buy it for yourself and continue on the journey with us.
0: Heck yeah. Tiamat's Wrath is the name of the Eighth Expanse yeah, eight, book.
1: The eighth book out of nine. We're so close to the yeah. end. Anyways, I just had to... I'm just, I'm just very excited and also wanted to make sure everyone knows. Yeah. If you're thinking about reading The Expanse, it's about that time.
0: It is about that time. If you, t-
1: you want to like theorize and have fun enjoying the process of it...
0: Of the final there's eight, book. Yeah. Book
1: eight of nine are out, so mm-hmm. you, should, you should go ahead.
0: And just mm-hmm. as an aside... My favorite book of the Expanse series was book three, until book seven. Book seven took the top spot away, so Expanse is great. I hope y'all check it out, and I hope y'all like it, both books and show. Yeah. Okay, let us continue with the parallels. Woo-hoo. The next category is this is where we're starting to get into some that are actually ongoing. Meaning, the parallel character, the historical figure, and the main character The main character, rather, is still alive, thus there's a lot of opportunity for the fate of their historical parallel version to predict the current character's fate. One of those we sort of talked about already, Uh, it's already on my shirt, so I won't present it as trivia. It's Bittersteel and John Connington. In the Bittersteel episode, we went over some of this detail, but that episode came out a long time ago. Some of y'all might have forgotten it, and since we're laying it all out here, let's do it again. In both cases, harsh. Disciplined, humorless. I think ambitious. let's do it again
1: should be the, the motto for this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's do it again, and these two guys are very much let's do it again characters. <laughs> they uh, yeah. So and and the the fact that they needed to do it again is part of why they're harsh, disciplined, humorless, and ambitious. Uh, both of them loved a famous person with Targaryen blood, and it wasn't necessarily reciprocated. Uh, John Connington loved Rhaegar. Um, so Rhaegar, probably not even the right orientation for him. Bittersteel loved Sea Star and didn't come out on top on that one. Uh, as Joe Magician says in the chat, does that mean Bittersteel was in love with Daemon? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> he married Daemon's uh, daughter, but, uh, we did, he didn't, according to George, they did not have kids, so maybe it was just a, a political marriage. <laughs> maybe he was secretly into Damon. It's definitely possible. All these other things are—they are, have in common. You never know. Uh, but in both cases, they were the leader in a civil war on the losing side, and in both cases, they survived that loss and fled to Essos. In Bittersteel's case, he fled to Essos multiple times. In Connington's case, he fled to Essos once and is now currently involved in his—you uh, know—return, his coming back, as it were. So we'll have to see how that goes. But does anyone think Fagon is going to hold the throne? Win it? Yeah, I think there's a good chance he wins it, but keep it? Eh, that's not very likely. In both cases, this return came about uh, many years later. In, in Bittersteel's case, it's like 19-ish years later. If I, I don't have the dates in front of me. Uh, yeah, about 19-ish years later, maybe 21. I think it's 21, actually. And in Connington's case, it's more like 17 years. So quite a long time. Maybe we'll meet at the middle, somewhere between uh, 17 and 21. 19-ish for both of them. And in both cases, the claimant that they're returning with is a Blackfire. Probably. <laughs> in in the case of Bittersteel, it's pretty definite. With uh in, in his case it was Hagon the first and then Damon the Third. Uh that's who he returned with. Of course, an, in the first place, he fought under Daemon I's banner. And in a, in the case of uh, John Connington, of course, it is Fagon who, as we've explained and other people have explained very well, uh, he is probably a Blackfire. So, very, very similar. So how can we, how can we, so this is our first chance to really dive into discussing possibilities for John Connington's fate based on Bittersteel. Well, what what happened to Bittersteel is he failed and had to flee back overseas where he eventually sort of died ignominiously in a meaningless conflict, uh, but still in charge of the Golden Company. By the way, another thing they both have in in, in In common common is the company they keep. It's very golden in both cases. And Bittersteel didn't, you know, catch grayscale. So... I don't yeah. think that their death is going to be that similar. Yeah. And I don't think that John Connington is going to escape back to Essos to slowly die of grayscale. But he might. He might go back to, you know, maybe he ends up on the bridge of dream with the other stone men, which mm. would be
1: that's interesting that would be that would that would be the closest I could see it happening and I guess you're right that he doesn't have to die if he goes to live with them
0: but I do think it's more likely he just dies yeah you know, alongside Fagon or something yeah. like that you know maybe he blows up the wildfire I mean, he yeah. gets blowed up maybe yeah
1: maybe. <laughs> yeah yeah sure we do have that coming so yeah
0: but it would be it would be interesting if he escaped and if he did I would predict his death amongst the stone men at the Bridge of Dream, which Hmm. would really nail the parallel if that's what happened. So be on the lookout for that possibility. As well as other, maybe, matches for Bittersteel's arc when the time comes. When we get t Wow, and you're reading about John Connington, keep Bittersteel in mind. Hmm. All right, next one. This one I will present as trivia, so I'll give you guys a chance to guess. Mm -hmm. The, the The familiar character is Bran. So who is Bran lining up with? These are the traits of Bran I want you to keep in mind. The fact that he's physically weak, but mentally strong. The fact that his older brother was crowned, attacked south, and got killed. Huge responsibilities at a young age. Bran, of course, is a boy dubbed Last Greens here, and uh, yeah, it's uh, that's pretty huge responsibilities. Has visions. Bran, of course, has visions, prophecies, all that stuff. Long trek through extreme conditions. That's well-known, right? Bran goes through the north. Uh, beyond the well gets even worse. He's, he's faced with starvation. Uh, and that is the next parallel. Long stretches without eating. Mmm. Long stretches without eating, you say. <laughs> and unable slash unwilling to procreate. Bran probably can't. Um, so it is our parallel character. Uh, in his case, it's maybe more of an unwillingness. But in both cases, there's no procreation happening. And they both have an alliterative nickname. So think of Bran the Broken. Let's see in the chat if anyone's pointing no one, it out. Yeah, they are
1: on a delay, so we need to get. Yeah, them we'll a give minute. them a few seconds we have here. Some- some off topic discussion while they think about that, you know. I
0: see some one person mentioned Sweet Robin. Sweet Robin definitely has some brand parallels. Definitely that's a good catch, but, but this is not no who we mind. have in mind. And I also, he's not a historical person. Someone parent, got but...
1: it. Carson Page was the first one to get it. I won't say it out loud. I'll give more people to type it.
0: Cool. So we but... got one person that got it. Yes, there's <laughs> a, a couple people got it now. Okay, so it's okay. Baylor the Blessed. Yes. Baylor the Blessed was also physically weak, but mentally strong. You know, extreme mental toughness. But his frequent fastings, which of course is the long time without food, and his trek through the desert m- messed up his already not great health uh, permanently. Uh, of course, the visions part is pretty huge, pretty straightforward comparison. The types of visions are very different. Baylor, his visions may may have been the product of deprivation, whereas brands are well. That's the three-eyed crow's business. <laughs> Uh, we also have the, like I said, the long trek through extreme conditions part. We talked about brands. Baylor walked the Bone Way all the way, walked from King's Landing to Sunspear. I mean, <laughs> he walked through the desert. He walked through the Bone Way. That is nasty. That is rough. And the, of course, he was unwilling to uh, procreate. Um, and given all the damage his body took and all the harshness he went through, he may have been unwilling. I mean, un- unable. It may not have even been possible. Hmm. Uh, and in the, the alliterative nickname, of course, Baylor the, the Fuddled slash Baylor the blessed, B the B, Bran the Broken, <laughs> Bran the Boy, etc. So, as far as predicting, uh, Baylor died fasting after he heard about the birth of after Damon Blackfire was born uh, because he was ashamed of his sister having a kid out of wedlock. Blah blah blah. The guy just yeah. silly man. <laughs> <laughs> I like there's a theory um from Amanda Crowfoot's daughter that Baylor was having real visions, like he was seeing, you know, some of his visions were actually uh predictive, and um that's a uh, uh, worth considering for sure. But I'm not sure that Bran is gonna starve to death. Yeah, you know, that doesn't seem very likely.
1: Death. I don't know, he's got plenty of jojans
0: still. <laughs> <laughs> you creepy yeah i don't think uh balor ate any of any people at all he hardly ate food at all he didn't even eat meat i don't think he was like bre- a bread and water guy
1: lml says Baylor rescuing aim in the dragon knight might parallel bran helping to resurrect john or just helping john I guess.
0: that's a good one yeah that's a good point. Yeah, we wonder mm-hmm. about John's uh, resurrection, how that's going to go down, and yeah, and obviously all... John
1: is someone that we do parallels to aim in the Dragonite, though we didn't go through that one as one of ours today.
0: Nope, that is one we'll talk. We have a, a different John, a different parallel aim in the Dragonite. We'll get to a bit yeah. later. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. Good one, LML. Some people say, yeah, of course he's stuck in the Green Dream. You know, he's stuck in the tree. Is he still going to be eating? Is he be nourished by the tree? You know, he's sort of not eating. He's Merging with the tree, or well, will all he? The
1: ravens lived this long, so like, I don't yeah. know if they clearly are able to get sustenance.
0: And certainly not a foregone conclusion that Bran is going to stay in that cave for the rest of his no. life. Also, he may escape the cave, go back south, may end up in Winterfell again, may end up who knows. So mm-hmm. maybe, uh, maybe his death will happen. Uh, although I don't think it will be to starvation. That seems unlikely, but you never know. Keep that in mind. Okay, so that's Balor and Bran. Well, let's talk about the next one, which was, in fact, sort of foreshadowed by yeah. this last discussion. Yes,
1: Eamon the Dragon Knight. Yeah,
0: so Aemon and Jamie, we can't really make that one as trivia because we just kind of talked about it. But let's <laughs> go through the similarities. They're pretty, pretty straightforward, and a few of them are pretty subtle. Okay, knighted at a very young age. Both very true for both of them. Uh, the exact date of Aemon's knighting is not known, but it was really young. It was around, basically the same time that Aegon and Nares, his brother and sister, got married. It was kind of a simultaneous event. Brother and sister get married. The other brother joins the Kingsguard. And of course, Jaime joined the Kingsguard really young too. And of course, they both became Lord Commander. And also, that was fairly young. In both cases, we have the rumors of affair with sister. In the case of the Dragon Knight, it was probably just a rumor, but maybe not. I I tend to think it was just a rumor. Certainly, Aegon the Unworthy... Uh, pushed this rumor as a way to try to disinherit his own son. It didn't work and Because the main source of the rumor is this very dishonest guy. That's a and Eamon is seen as uh, remembered as a super chivalrous guy It uh, seems kind of unlikely that they hooked up, but you never know. Of course in the case of Jamie and Cersei, We know for a fact that they did. There's no rumor there. However, in world, it's a rumor, right? Without perfect, if you're a character in the story, if you're just some person walking around King's Landing, you don't know for a fact that Jamie and Cersei slept together. It's a strong rumor that you may not, but you can't, you know, you can't be certain, right? Uh, you don't get to see the babies necessarily, you don't have all the detail that we have from reading the books. So, in-world, it's an even stronger parallel, but even just from a book reader perspective, it's uh, pretty strong. Both of them wield Valyrian steel, Jamie didn't have his very long, although maybe he'll get it back uh Aemon wielded dark sister his whole career Here's a really specific one <laughs> Remember uh Eamon saving Baylor from the pit of vipers Well <laughs> if you didn't remember it he did he when uh, uh, or sorry Baylor saved Eamon from the pit of vipers and then Eamon saved Baylor they both kind of saved each other <laughs> Which is also what happens with Jamie jumping into the pit to save Brienne. They both sort of help each other. Jamie is like, Brienne's like, what the heck are you doing in here? <laughs> you can't fight. You're even less useful than I am, and I don't have a weapon. But Jamie's presence is enough to scare Steel Shanks Walton into shooting the bear so that it doesn't kill uh, Jamie, and thus <laughs> that would get Walton killed if uh, he allowed Jamie to die under his care. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, lots of strict parallels there. Mm-hmm. But. Good example of another one we can think about the possible yeah. foreshadowing. Yes. So Aemon Certainly. dies protecting his older brother, who he hated. He didn't like a- Egg on the Unworthy. Egg on the Unworthy was a terrible guy. Now Jamie doesn't have an older brother to protect, but he does have Tyrion. Yeah. He already stuck his neck out for Tyrion once. As things stand right now, Jamie hates Tyrion, and Tyrion hates Jamie. So if they can be reconciled, maybe Jamie could, you know, fight for Tyrion and die for him somehow. Or maybe he could fight for someone that he previously wasn't on the same side of. Something like that. I'm not too... I don't have great ideas on this. Jamie's fate... A lot of people just think Jamie will die with Cersei. Like, they'll die together. And uh, that wouldn't necessarily be a parallel, if that's the case yeah. here. Um, Nerys and Eamon the Dragonite did not die together. Mm. So, and it was specifically... Uh, Eamon's death was against the Toins. The Toins tried to kill... Aegon, uh, the fourth, the unworthy, for um, what he did to their brother, who was in the King's Guard. He had, them, had one of his brothers, one of the brothers, tortured to death because he slept with uh, one of A- Aegon's mistresses. So that's not going to happen to uh, to Jaime, <laughs> but he might have, say, uh, some sort of similar situation where there's some sort of revenge against mm-hmm. his family, and he def- maybe he defends Cersei, who he's no yeah. longer. You know, happy with, so he defends someone that he doesn't really believe in anymore. Something like that. Um, A lot of
1: people in the chat talking about how they think Jamie's going to go to the wall.
0: Uh, some people say da- Jamie dying saving Brienne. Yeah, see that that's that's another one that could work. So it wouldn't necessarily be dying to save, dying against someone. The the character that he's saving may not be the important part. It might be the circumstances because in the case of Aemon the Dragon Knight, the toys were an outlaw family. They had been. Tainted uh, and uh, stripped of their titles, so they were made. They, were, they became outlaws. The Simon Toyne, you know, the Outlaw Brotherhood. That that was kind of the beginning of that. And in Jamie's case, well, Brienne, Jamie, they're mixed up with the brothers Brotherhood Without banners, who were, you know formerly noble houses, some of them anyway that uh, have fallen on hard times. So that is definitely the 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 same sort of stuff. Is there a lot of similar parallels could exist there? So be wary of. The circumstances of Aemon the Dragon Knight's death when considering Jaime Lannister. Very strong parallel there.
1: People, by the way, Z's, our microphone is in focus more than we are, and I can't fix it <laughs> while we're streaming, but people are like, we should name the mic since it's so in focus. And someone, Tubbs1971, I think nailed it. Azore Mike.
0: <laughs> hey, sorry mike
1: yeah anyways I, I had to share it because i think that's very clever that was the first name someone suggested i think it's it's the one <laughs>
0: that's really good <laughs> preston cox says so many oaths they make you swear and swear that's a that's a very on point uh, quote because yeah jamie's vows you know got him into trouble he was a little cynical about it it's always possible by the way Aemon the Dragon Knight is remembered as this super chivalrous guy, and he probably was. But it, it pays to remember the history is written by the winners, and the Targaryens have been the winners for a long time. And maybe some of Aemon, maybe Aemon and Jaime would seem a little more similar in history if you looked at him much later. Probably not, because Jaime's the Kingslayer, and there's really no way around that uh, if you don't know the guy as the Kingslayer killed the <laughs> king. But maybe he'll be redeemed. Maybe the realm will see, oh... Wildfire, Ares, yeah, probably (laughs) not because people are so strict about that sort of stuff. But there's a chance he gets redeemed. There's a chance.
1: Mm. Um, I think what's important is that he gets redeemed for himself. Yeah. You know, in his own perspective that he feels redeemed. Yeah. Rather than the realm, you know, perceiving him differently.
0: And, uh, of course, we have... um, as Patrick Daugherty points out, when the White Fawn, aka Sepp- who might be, <laughs> Sepp- More, brings down Jamie for Simon Toyn, interesting. Ah, that's a cool theory. Yeah, Of course, Jamie also fought uh, against the Brotherhood, uh, the Kingswood Brotherhood, which had um, Simon Toyn during his squiring years too. So, uh, yeah, we have Eamon fighting the Toyns, and we have Jamie fighting the Toyns. Pretty cool. All right, let's move on. Got a couple here. Let's talk about. It. Here's a really, really big one that I think is has a huge potential for predictiveness. Actually, I'm going to start with a smaller version of the same character. We have Barrison Selmy. And it's, it's mentioned that he has some things in common with R- Rhyme Redwine. And, well, he actually has quite a few things in common with Rhyme Redwine. And it's one of my few disappointments with Fire and Blood that we didn't get more about Rhyme Redwine. He yeah. was mentioned, but um, one of the things about him was he became Hand.
1: Yeah, he was a very lauded figure before Fire and Blood.
0: Yeah, so it's kind so, of strange that his yeah, yeah there wasn't strange. much about him, uh, but he but it's mentioned that he wasn't very good as hand. He was an gr- excellent warrior and a fantastic lord commander. But when he was named hand, he was kind of a disaster. I wouldn't say Berest and Selmy is a disaster as hand to the queen and marine, but he's definitely out of his depth. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's very uncomfortable, and you could see that maybe some of these decisions will blow up in his face. We don't know yet. It hasn't been enough time for us to see if his decisions will go badly. But a lot of people have. Theorized that they're going to and I agree with that I do think that it's not going to go well for Barristan but the parallel to them being considered the greatest knight of their generation is super straightforward there and the fact that they both became hand late and the fact that they were the lord, you know, a lord commander and a famous warrior before that. Also, a little just just for fun, <laughs> rhyme red wines. Sigil de- depicts food, mm-hmm. and so does Berest and Selmies. That's uh,
1: grapes and wheat, right?
0: Grapes and wheat. That's right. Uh, beer and wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beer and wine. <laughs> red wine and Selmy? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I guess that's what they would call their beer. Selmy beer. Yes. But the one that I think is really predictive, because Rhyme's detail, we didn't, we didn't hear why Rhyme was a bad hand. He just was a bad hand. It wasn't specified why. Okay, so, but here's the one that I think is a really, really straightforward. Or not straightforward, but really strong and predictive. All right, so who else does this matter? We'll do this one sort of trivia style as well. Okay, so who else is a tournament champion, a knight of the marches... Famed for beating a dragon of the Stepstones. In this case, Bereson Selmy beat Meleys the Monstrous. A dragon of the Stepstones, we can call him. Disobeyed, or at least didn't enforce, the king's final will. As in, Selmy was aghast that Cersei tore up Robert's will. But he didn't do anything about it. Not right away. Certainly nothing direct. He removed a certain counselor from the queen's uh, small council for treason. Well, that was Jorah, of course. And... Uh, lost a civil war. and Samuel was, was on the losing side. Now, in fact, there's some either even tighter parallels here. This character that we that we're thinking of also was named Lord Commander eventually. Someone got it. Someone already got it. Cool. Named Lord Commander was even knighted at or named to the King's Guard at the same age, which is 21. And this guy was kind of unstoppable in battle. And indeed, a couple people have named it uh, at least one person has. Good job, yes. Aja the Third. Yes, The parallel is Kristen Cole. That's right. Let's review that. Tournament champion. Yes, Kristen Cole was a famous tournament champion early in his career, beating such outstanding figures as Damon himself, Damon Targaryen, the Rogue Prince, and uh, Breakbones, who he, he broke several of his bones. That's where he got that nickname, Broken Bones. Kristen Cole is from a house on the, on the Dornish Marches, and so is Berist Selmy. And the marches are kind of their own culture. Very uh, very warlike, martial, uh, long history of fighting the Dornish. The dragon of the Stepstones that Kristen Cole beat was Daemon Targaryen. <laughs> He's the dragon of the Stepstones, who was king of the Stepstones for a little while, and he, as I said, beat him in a, in the finals of a duel that seemed a bit like there may have been a little grudge match there because... Kristen wielded a, war, uh, a Morningstar, which is nothing too strange about that, but it's said that Damon was wielding Dark Sister, which is pretty odd for a tournament. Usually you fight with blunted weapons, and, uh, well, Valerian Steel is the opposite of blunted weapon. So, that's, uh, I would like to know more about that anecdote. Why were they fighting with, uh, <laughs> with, with that? Um, in the case of disobeying the king's final will, well, that's straightforward. Viserys I said Rhaenyra should inherit, but Kristen Cole was like, nah, dog." We're going with Egon. Uh, removed Queen's counselor for treason. Jorah, I said, for Barristan. Well, Kristen Cole killed poor uh, Beesbury there. Waspish Lyman Beesbury.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we also have this closeness with the Queen young, uh, at an early age. Kristen Cole had this sort of uh, relationship, with this sort of un- uh, undefined, maybe sexual, maybe not relationship with, uh, with Rhaenyra before they had a falling out. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I want to really, really want to focus on because there's a lot of theories out there that Barish and Selmy is one day going to flip to young Griff, to Fagon, because he thinks of him, if he believes the lie that he's Rhaegar's son, or it believes the truth that he's Rhaegar's yeah. son, if that's the case, <laughs> then...
1: It's he, not the case. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> he'll struggle necessarily uh, <laughs> with who he's supporting. He's grown to like Danny, I think, but if he maybe thinks she's dead or if or he's he thinks alarmed that,
1: by her behavior. Yeah, if he's alarmed
0: that. by her behavior or something. Who knows? Just he just wrestles with it and decides that Aegon is the true heir, then he may switch sides. And that is so that would be that would fit what Kristen Cole did because Kristen Cole was the number one backer of Rainier. He wore her favor, he was like her personal bodyguard for a long time until something happened. Uh, Either he was just, you know, turned off by her behavior or she was turned off by his. I tend to believe Mushroom's account where it was her that approached him. Yeah. But it's hard to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which at least fits with the kind of person Barristan is, you know, the whole yeah. like I, I'm super chivalrous. I, yeah, you know, Barristan's never even been with a woman. Yeah, it's more <laughs> of
1: the Ariane Martel, Martell, Zokar type dynamic. Yes, um,
0: that chapter's called "The Queenmaker," yeah, you know? <laughs> and Arizokar thinks about these these Kristen Cole. Um, but that's in a feast for crows before Barristan is really, is is before Barristan ever becomes hand of the queen and before all this other stuff. So it's again George giving us the answer before the riddle. Yeah, <laughs> so. I think this is potentially one of the most predictive, because I do think that there's a very good chance Barrison will, will flip to Faegon, and then he, yeah. if we think about what happened to Kristen Cole, he splits with Aemond, right? He splits with Aemond's dragon and takes his army south through the Riverlands, and what happens? He <laughs> marches through these weird scenes of dead people, right? There's like, there's like feasts, fake feasts set up with dead, with dead bodies, like uh to scare them and to freak them out. And that's such a weird scene. Like, what the heck is going on? But if you put it if you think of the undead in the riverlands yeah. in The Winds of Winter or later, then it's I was like, whoa, that is a parallel to maybe and Selmy fighting the undead in the Riverlands, uh, and maybe meeting his fate there. Of course.
1: Yeah, that all depends on where we think he's gonna meet his fate. If you think he's gonna side with young Griff and then goes, we're obviously also expecting there to be a big wildfire explosion, so there's a number of ways he could go.
0: Yeah, now of course there's always the possibility that he none of this happens, he just, maybe he dies in Marine. it's obviously on the table as a possibility, he's about to go into this big battle, there's disease everywhere, there's Greyjoys everywhere, it's, there's a lot happening, it wouldn't be a big surprise if Barristan died, and you know there's a lot of POVs, George might need to kind of cut them down a bit, yeah, well, definitely possibilities there and the, the problem also that we're faced with when making these predictions is that uh george changes his mind right he he planned he, he puts foreshadowing in and then sometimes it's like actually let's not do that for example mm-hmm. game of thrones book one filled with false foreshadowing we know that right there's there's several examples of that that yeah. just don't line up uh, jamie is kind of foreshadowed as being the king eventually but that's not really the way the story's going anymore, <laughs> even at all, so uh, that's a, a caveat. So I think that, m- but on the other hand, more recent parallels are, mo- are, are, are more likely to be true, or if George kind of recycles the parallel and reminds us that it's still true. So mm-hmm. this sell me Kristen Cole stuff is fairly newish, right? There's the Queenmaker stuff in A Feast for Crows, but most of this stuff is, is in The Princess and the Queen, The World of Ice and Fire, Fire and Blood, and The Rogue Prince. Which were all written after A Dance with Dragons. Uh, so only A feature for Crows is before that. Hmm. All right.
1: We got a super chat here from Mod Mary 1 again. Also 666. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. must be happy. Um, she said, dead parallel, Alyssa Farman and Quaith. Hmm. Um, we talked about this a bit more in our actual episode on Alyssa Farman, our Sun Chaser stream. Yes. We'd probably be better served going to that one, I think, just because that was like very well-discussed.
0: That is a good point. And actually, I didn't put that one in the spreadsheet. That oh. is a good call, but mm. it just goes to show that there's yeah. even more. Yeah, <laughs> I said I had over 60, <laughs> and there were a few missing. <laughs> uh. So I knew. Once I got to 60, I was like, there's no way I'm getting through all these in this episode. I'll, yeah, I'll add more to this later. That's enough for this. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. We're going to figure out something for... We're, we're doing a panel on this, too, at Con of Thrones. A yes. little um, pitch for that. And, yeah, it would be, could, we should have some cool visuals and all these. And you have to pick out which ones to do. And this is a <laughs> good right. run-through for us to figure out how many we can get through.
0: <laughs> yeah. <sighs> uh, okay, let's do a few more. Here's a fun one. A little Lord Commander parallel. Gior Mormont. Now, Gior Mormont's a cool character, and people love to talk about the parallel of a Mormont being a mentoring figure to the two potentially most main characters. If you want to say John and Danny are the most main characters, I won't argue with you. I won't necessarily agree, but I think that's a totally valid opinion. Mm-hmm. And they're both tutored by a Mormont. That's pretty, you know, that's yeah. Jorah and Gior. That's uh, <laughs> that matters. <laughs> but. Gior himself doesn't have a whole lot of parallels to other characters besides some of this, that particular parallel. But one that he does have is pretty cool. And, uh, well, let's just go into it. Both of these characters were lords and then lord commanders. Both of them owned Valyrian steel on the wall. You have Valyruin. Yeah, I have this spelled with a U in there. How'd that U get in there? Uh, went ranging after the age of roughly 69 and did not return. Mm -hmm. Uh, last person to speak with him is close to Jon Snow and then we have this mentor to a son of Winterfell business here which we already mentioned with Jorah animal sigil Mm -hmm. talkative bird is the next clue so I think a lot of y'all got that yeah so I I think
1: Sean Schilling was the first because he said Brendan and then yeah
0: Brendan, he, that's that's nummy. certainly the Brendan he met. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I just, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so that's pretty cool, right? Now, blood Raven it comes up a lot in these parallels because he's there's just so much about him. He's so many characters wrapped into one. He's a he's a sorcerer, a green seer, a hand of the king, a warrior, a kinslayer, a, a knight, a raven. Yeah, animal sigil, right? <laughs> they got the bear and the and the. Uh, the ravens A crow. on the. Yeah. A raven. yeah. And then Jorah Mormont has this talkative bird, which Burlood Raven's probably speaking through, and uh, has his own ravens that talk. So uh, you got that business. Of course, the Valyrian Steel part's pretty straightforward. We got Dark Sister and uh, Longclaw. Yeah, sure. Gior didn't really wield Longclaw on the wall, but he had it. He owned it, then he gave it away. Uh, and they'll, you know, that might be funny too. We may both have both these Valyrian steel blades passed on to a Stark. <laughs> <laughs> they may first go to Mira and then Arya, or who knows where Dark Sister's going to end up. But the fact Dark Sister ending up in the hands of a Stark is not unlikely.
1: No, it's not unlikely.
0: The last person to speak with him, I said, is close to Jon Snow. Well, the last person to speak with Jorah Mormont was Sam. He Sam held Jorah Mormont, in, sorry, Gior Mormont, <laughs> in his arms. As he died. Maybe he'll do both. No. <laughs> and. uh... Obviously, the same thing is uh, in case of uh, Bloodraven, the last person that he spoke with is uh, Bran. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, of course, Bran is obviously very close to Jon. Mentor to his son of Winterfell, same business. Bloodraven mentoring Bran, Gior mentoring Jon. And that does it for that one. Okay, we are maybe about, we'll go about 20 more minutes and call it quits. So we won't, as I said, we still have, we'll still have plenty more that we won't have gotten to and so plenty have more. So you a reason
1: we- to come to Con of Thrones or watch or listen to what we release from Con of Thrones. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have some audio.
0: Okay, here we go. <laughs> LML <laughs> listed one. It says, one red eye, wherewood throne, lives in cave, lead slash lead brotherhood, black cloak, magic sword, hung on tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: give everyone a beat for yep. this yep
0: in fact we we described that particular parallel in the episode that is up for patrons tonight
1: yeah the blood raven 3 episode that's right
0: Ooh. and as as i as i started to explain blood raven lines up with so many characters because he has so many uh, facets but in this case barric don yeah mm-hmm. that's yes. right
1: dark mother got it first in the chat
0: right on yeah blood raven with barric we have the Knight and Lord, we have the Black Cloak, we have the One Eye, as LML said, we have Living in a Cave, we have all this Hung uh, hung on a Tree, we have Commander of Many, most of whom are outlaws, the whole commanding the the, uh, the Black Brothers is like that, so is Commanding the Brotherhood Without Banners, and we have this strange extended lifespan. In Barak's case, he's undead, in Ravens' case, he's just... Old yeah. because his lifespan is he's extended part by tree. yeah by being part tree, so that is a really strong one. He's
1: actually pretty young for a tree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got me, <laughs> and I think I wonder about their quote unquote deaths. I wonder if this is sort of a parallel. Barrett sort of just faded. He passed his life force on to to Catelyn. Yeah, and I kind of feel like that's what Bloodraven is. He's passing yeah. him. His, he's passing the mantle on to Bran.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. The, yeah. He's when not gone, gone, one, but yeah. But
0: gone into the trees. He's <laughs> going to stop speaking.
1: He says, you got to chop him in half and count the rings <laughs> to figure out how old blood raven
0: is. <laughs> That's good That's too. wonderful. Okay, let's do another one. We talked about these characters have come up today. Oh, a
1: super chat from Darth Mother. Oh, Darth, myth has Mother. Been you, Darth, Darth Mother. I said said Darth Mother. <laughs> six six six. Myth has been. I mean, yeah. That would
0: be an interesting name for a Sith. Dark, Darth Sidious. Darth Vader. Darth, Darth, Darth Mother. Vader, yeah. yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. So these two characters came up during this episode uh, as part of forming parallels with other characters, but they have parallels to themselves. So let's use our main character, a, a somewhat familiar character from the main series, Elia Martell, and list off some of her traits, and you'll see who she lines up with. Princess, okay? Elia is a princess. Delicate, small, gentle—all true about Elia. She was fragile, had two brothers, and got along better with the younger one. And Elia didn't have a didn't have a problem with Doran, um, whereas this other character actively hated their elder brother. But Elia got along really well with Oberon. They were born close together, and as Doran says, they were inseparable. So there's a pretty big age gap between Doran and the other two, so that's part of why they were... Uh-huh. They, you know, they got along well, but they weren't super so tight. We got it two. already! <laughs> very good, Maseria. very good. Uh, well, I'll have to keep reading the parallel yeah, the rest of these. Reading uh, we'll the, other, the other one has had two kids and was told a third could kill her. Unfaithful husband. Ilya, uh, maybe Rhaegar... And ha- had Elias' permission to go run off with Lyanna. But he didn't have her permission to name Lyanna queen and love and beauty in front of everybody. Come on, I really doubt that. So that's the unfaithful part, even if you believe he had permission, which is probably people didn't. i are
1: talking about how Marcella kind of works in some ways. <laughs> the two mm. brothers was closer to one. Oh, yeah. Delicate, anyway, not delicate, but gentle. Yeah. Anyways, I just think that's
0: funny. That's cool, uh-huh. yeah, that's a good point. Um, and of course, in the case of uh, our parallel here, we have a very unfaithful husband. And this unfaithfulness was a major factor leading to civil war. Someone already got it. Yes. It's
1: Nerys Targaryen. Nary's
0: Targaryen, right. The whose
1: brothers were Aegon and Aemon the Dragon Knight. That's
0: right. She loved Aemon, may have had an affair with him, but was treated very badly by Aegon the Unworthy, who slept around like crazy, more than anyone, even more than Robert, probably. Uh, maybe not. But <laughs> they're in the same level there of, of ridiculous... Uh, uh, s- amounts of sex. I
1: just want to talk about. I uh, have some people in the chat. We're talking about Dunk and the Tall after the parallels with Brienne. You know, Where people were talking about whether Dunk made the eight.
0: <laughs> wow. And he oh. really I made
1: right the point. I mean, he, he, I, if he if he gets with three of the ones we know of, then already right there, that's three of eight. And then if you add maybe like a Riverlands lady, five. Mm. You know, you get to four of eight. He's getting there.
0: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like it. So, um, uh, filling out the rest of this, uh, Nerys was delicate, small, and gentle. She, uh, we, she was a princess. She was also the queen, but she was a princess first. And, uh, she was, she also had two kids and was told a third could kill her. In Elia's case, they were careful, but in, uh, Nerys's case, they, she did have a third kid and it did kill her. And the kid died as well. Of course, the unfaithful husband part we talked about already. And the unfaithfulness leading to civil war. Well, Rhaegar and Lyanna's fair, clearly... We know how that (laughs) led to Civil War. I don't need to explain that one. No, please do. (laughs) But Aegon the Force is also fairly straightforward. He had all these bastards, and legitimizing them (laughs) clearly led to the Blackfyre Rebellion. So, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now that is that. So that's a good one. That's pretty strong. Um, I don't know that there, of course, this is another good example of one that doesn't predict anything because Elia is long dead. But we might later get more detail on Nerys. In fact, I do think we will because she is going to be born yeah. really soon at the beginning of Fire and Blood 2. Yeah. Their mm-hmm. brothers, her brothers were already born right at the beginning. Yeah. So we should get a lot more of her and we want to see how Aegon III treated her and other stuff and how the 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 early days of uh, Aegon the Unworthy and Aemon the Dragon Knight is probably pretty interesting. Next up, this one is, uh, imagine a character who was just a, the, the oldest son of the king, and he's just terrible. He's a terrible kid, right? Think about that. Okay, see, right away, you're probably already thinking of Joffrey, right? Yes. That's, that's where the people's heads go. Maybe you think, so there's a couple other characters, maybe they come up, but he's the, probably the most prominent yeah. of the, like, awful heirs to the throne that we got to see firsthand. Joffrey was not very bright, very cruel, very, uh, uh, you know, rude and infantile in a lot of ways. Um, and it's kind of good that we didn't see what kind of man he turned into, but had he turned into more of a man had time to grow into this, he might have become more like this character who was uh, in, under similar circumstances. In both cases, these characters had sort of a fuzzy success in situation where their mother took the lead and grabbed the crown for them. And the manner of which their mother grabbed the crown uh, led to civil war. Although it probably civil war probably would have happened anyway. Um, in both cases... There is some parentage issues in in the, in play, whereas uh, meaning that someone may not be the mother or father that they say they are. In both cases, this character was killed by their own small council. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Joffrey was killed by his own small council. Yes, oh, think,
1: someone got it. Yes, there we go. It took the second. Couple some people, people got, got it. Some other people at first, but I think Asia the third, I think, was the first. If I'm not missing, yeah. Either. So the answer
0: is Aegon the Second. The the killing the, the the council thing is maybe what uh, gave it away. If people hadn't gotten it already, Aegon the Second, just not unlike Cersei and Joffrey, when the king died, Viserys died, uh, Alicent seized the crown and made a move to crown her son immediately, while the other claimant was sitting on Dragonstone, mm-hmm. <laughs> Stannis, mm-hmm. in this case, or Rha- Rhaenyra, in the other case. And in both cases, uh, the war went. Kind of not the way they expected. They didn't have the support they necessarily expected, and uh, things can, kind of went badly. And um, in Joffrey's case, he was poisoned during a wedding. Aegon the Second's case, he was poisoned. You know, just before he had threatened, he ordered his council to cut the ear off of Aegon the Third, even as mm. large armies were marching on the capital. In that sense, it's maybe a little more like Aegon the Fifth or Sixth, rather. We might see something like that, but. This is another one that's not predictive because Joffrey's already dead, but uh, it's really straightforward, right? I mean, you got all this, uh, all this, the similar personality, similar uh, outlook, similar views by mm-hmm. other people. The Civil War situation and similar situations with their families. Joffrey's whole family is kind of wiped out. Egg on the seconds is pretty much wiped out as well. Mm-hmm. And this is going to lead me to our next one, where I do have to give a caveat of TV. This Th- is my
1: chance to say what I was thinking. Cool. Which is that <laughs> all of these parallel live stream lives tweets and all that always make me think of that famous uh, thing that people say where they're like, Lincoln's secretary was blah blah blah. and Kennedy's <laughs> secretary was blah blah blah. And you know, you know what? I don't even remember because I it was yeah. not that impactful to me. But still, it made me wonder about which ones you could pick out from real life history.
0: Yeah, and and which ones of these were just kind of some of these are bound to be somewhat accidental. Yeah, like, some of them are there's clearly certain intentional.
1: archetypes that like yeah. you're gonna hit on certain things on accident and and not yeah. without it being intentional. But yes, definitely a lot of them I think have to be intentional. Some of them to reveal things about the story, and some of them I think just because. He's like, I like this type of character. I want to do this thing again and yeah. work it. Like you like you've talked about, maybe he wants to figure out how a plot line should go in the main books by writing a history where it goes a certain way. And so, as it turns out, like everything fits for the first half, but then the, the last third or whatever might be significantly <laughs> different because he's trying hmm. out, like testing out a certain ending. That's
0: true. That's um, a good point. Yeah, and that's something to say about George, by the way. Some some people Suggest. I don't think it's people listening to this stream. I don't, I think our, uh, our listeners are a little more dialed in uh, and understand what's going on with George, but it helps to know this to explain to people, even if you didn't have this opinion, which is some people kind of think George is maybe a little lazy, which is crazy to me. But the thing is, he writes multiple versions of a lot of these chapters, as we talk about in our Feast for Crows prologue episode. He wrote that chapter, like, six times. (laughs) He wrote it from every point of view of those characters that Pate is hanging out with. From Pate, Molander, Alaris, all those different, all that rune, there's like five or six of them sitting there having their fearsomely strong cider. George wrote that chapter from each one of their perspectives to see which one worked best. Like, that is... So not lazy. (laughs) That is, like, (laughs) extremely thorough. So... <laughs> Jade Dead Redhead says, My passionate nodding is shaking the camera. Yeah, that does kind of happen. It's probably my passionate feet on the, uh, pushing into the table. Feet. Even my feet are passionate. My feet are nodding along with my head. Yeah, yeah so the, here's, here's one that has a TV spoiler to it. Uh, okay,
1: so if you do not want a TV spoiler, leave.
0: Yeah, y'all, you know, time to, time to uh, duck out. If you don't mind minor TV spoilers, well, this is only going to talk about one character's death. So.
1: Yes. But it, it is a character death.
0: But it is a character death, yes. So, you have been warned. Uh, Alright, so, the per- character is... Let's talk about who the uh, familiar character is. and Baratheon. Right. Now, in the show, we know that Tommen falls to his death. Jumps to his death. To me, that uh, is a bit of a parallel to the third son of Rhaenyra. Tommen being the third son of Cersei, Cersei and Rhaenyra are a strong parallel. I, I probably should have done that one this episode. Yeah. that would have been we, a good we have, one to, we a segue about towards it this one. Before,
1: to be fair, I mean, there's other ones we talked about before, but we have talked about that. one.
0: Yeah, it's true. So Cersei Rhaenyra is a tough, a tight parallel that I'll we'll go into more detail at another time. Uh, just for now, recognize that that parallel exists. Uh, and so, for these kids, they're third born in both cases, and of course, you have one named Joffrey, one of the kids is <laughs> even named Joffrey, which seemed kind of random, like Joffrey, you have Jaress, Luceris, and Joffrey. It's like George was was really putting that in there. Uh, so the and Joffrey's death is falling to his death. He gets on Syrax and tries to fly Syrax over to the dragon pit and falls to death. So in both cases, you have falling to their death in King's Landing, and in both cases, versus the TV show. You have Baylor Sept exploding, right? That's a huge moment there, and that's what causes Tommen to jump. That's the trigger for him. In the case of the dance with the dance with the dragons or a dance of dragons, the war that is, um, <laughs> Rainier, the dragon pit is about to collapse. So it's a it's a similar like large yeah. building is like collapsing or exploding yeah. sort of situation, and there's just madness in the city.
1: Of course, the question is whether how things will pan out for Tommen in the books because it seems very unlikely for the little young boy that he is in the books to do that.
0: I completely agree Um, that Tommen will not jump out the window, but Fire and Blood provides us with the sad example of two (laughs) different Targaryens mysteriously falling out windows. Yeah, more likely
1: (laughs) likely is that, yeah, someone like and Tyrion Tyene sand, push him out the wind. You know, the one yep. of the many people there that wants Tom and dead will kill him, yeah, and people will it. write that he was so. He just like how we, <laughs> you know, we have again these young Targaryens yeah. we're talking about like. You're like, oh, they were just so depressed, and like maybe, but they're really young. <laughs>
0: you have, yeah. If you, you have, to, yeah, you have you have mm-hmm. sand snakes that were like super into killing <laughs> Lannister kids on the yeah. show, and you have in the in the books two sand snakes going to King's Landing, one of whom's going to be on the Small Council, yeah. and the other's going to work with the Faith,
1: yeah, who um, are a
0: po- who are like their own like violent but yeah, thing. But
1: definitely, it is something that I would have before thought they'll poison him, or something like that. Would have been my natural guess for how they kill Tommen, right? Yeah. Whereas now, one, the show has influenced it, but then Fire and Blood and these parallels, I do feel like it's more likely that he's thrown that he's tossed out a window.
0: Yeah, and it's explicitly talked about in Fire and Blood that way. It's like, even people in the city were like, suspected foul play, they were like, how could Jahara have kill, thro- committed suicide? She was too young. How could she have jumped, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, it really feels like Tommen's getting tossed. And that is... <laughs> Pretty sad. <laughs> Poor Tom, and everybody likes her. He's like one of the few Lannisters people. Always, well not, yeah, one of the few people Lannisters worth. I mean, Marcella's cool too, but uh, she also yeah. feels pretty doomed. I mean, yeah, the Valancar prophecy. No, but
1: I was saying, yes, yeah, she's cool.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. And uh, she may also, like, I don't know what's going to happen with her because she's already maimed and it seems like she's just uh, going to be killed also, um, maybe also by the sand snakes. I don't know. So, anyway, so there's uh, a lot to say about Joffrey and Tommen. You got the third born son. You got the like kind of bravado. Like little Joffrey is real brave with his "I want to go fight in the war." And Tommen's like kind of. Uh, we get that really cute scene of Tommen wanting to fight in the tournament with uh, yeah. and Joffrey's like the tournament's over. He's like, "No, I want to fight the <laughs> you know." And uh, it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire series where Tommen, uh, where Joffrey's like. Stop acting like children. And Marcel's like, we're kids. We're supposed to be children. And Sandor, (laughs) it's like one of the few times Sandor laughs. He's like, ha, he's got you there. This is so cute, (laughs) these little kids. So I'll be sad when Tommen dies. (laughs) But we all, it's funny that we have this foreshadowing for the manner of Tommen's death, but no one's like, surprised that Tommen's death is foreshadowed (laughs) because it was already foreshadowed. So in this case, we're just trying to be, maybe get at the manner Mm -hmm. of his death, very specific manner of his death, rather than whether or not he's gonna die isn't maybe much of a question. So Joffrey, Valerian, Tommen, Baratheon, and of course Joffrey, Valerian, just to make the parallel even tighter, Joffrey, Bla- Baratheon, or Joffrey, Valerian, has the wrong color hair <laughs> for his birth, just like Tommen, and <laughs> uh, is technically a bastard, but uh, is an heir who's technically a bastard, and so is Tommen, because so, the their father is actually not the king. Mm. So that's pretty cool, too. Anyway... I think that's gonna wrap it for today. We got through—I don't know how many—we got through probably like what? maybe a third of them. Yeah,
1: maybe as maybe as many. I, I don't know. There's a lot. You have 60. I don't know if we got through 20.
0: I don't think we got. We, yeah, we definitely didn't get through half. Maybe we got through 15. Maybe 18. Maybe a little yeah, short of so 20. Maybe, yeah. Maybe not 20. Yeah. We'll do a count yeah. later and see. Uh, <laughs> we so we definitely have that. enough fuel to do at least one more of these. Probably two. Yeah. Some. I see some people mentioning some in the chat. one yeah, that we have like done Cersei yet. Yes. And Mad King. Cersei and the Mad and King. John and Egg on the fifth. Yes, that's yes. a great one. Egg on the fifth and Young Griff. Alyssa and Tyrion. Uh, Ares the First and the Reader. Makar and Stannis. There's a ton. Uh, the right, yeah, so. Magician
1: said, you guys actually only did five. Sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. me <laughs> uh, back for a second. Good troll. <laughs> Matt the Gathering.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, well, let's do some uh, patron shout-outs and call it a day. Thank you, Ashea for uh, running the chat and uh, keeping me honest. You caught a couple of my mistakes here. Yes. And you had some
1: Finished ex- your sentence.
0: <laughs> and you had some excellent takes as well. Uh, the chat had some what great takes take? today.
1: <laughs> my heart. Oh, that was actually quite nice.
0: <laughs> um, and yeah, so you guys in the chat were on top of things too. You all had a lot of great takes, a lot of great... Uh, extra parallels we you caught a lot of, of super
1: chat from Asia the third hopefully I said that somewhat right but anyway this person <laughs> got quite a few of our uh, parallel lives uh, yeah. one one is four faceless men in a trench coat
0: <laughs> which makes him a parallel to Varys who is a, a, a yeah. mermaid in a <laughs> trench coat yeah. or whatever that is uh, whatever that theory is yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so thanks everyone for attending. Thanks again to Joey Townsend for our music that was mentioned earlier. Thanks to Michael Klarfeld. Check out Claradox.de, K-L-A-R-A-D-O-X.de for these maps back here, and the intro video that is all him have him on for one of these art streams that we do. Yeah. Uh, in the not too distant future. i tell you,
1: he is a funny guy. A few people really make me laugh as hard as you guys regularly. He? He's
0: pretty good with the puns. I mean, yeah. other humor too, but he's uh, yeah, Anyways. he's up there in the puns. <laughs> so, thank you to uh, Lord Mark of House Joseph, the Snow and Winterfell, writer of Maslow a white dragon with green scales, horns, wings, and talons. Jinx of House Lear, Green Queen of the Rainwood, rumored daughter of a woods witch, rider of Eurogenia, a sylphic albino dragon with amethyst eyes and opalescent wings. Hey Jinx, we'll
1: <laughs> see you soon, in a few months.
0: The mysterious BR, Hand of the King. The Smiling Wolf, Lord Stephen Stark of the Broken Tower, soldier, scholar, philosopher, diplomat, Hand of Queen Asha, who was known as the best. And thanks for the uh, Humphrey Humphrey parallel today that I couldn't remember part of it Sounds like a show, It was like so a TV
1: show yeah. from the 80s or something, Humphrey Humphrey
0: What is that, Heart to Heart, right, that show? Yeah, Heart to Heart, yeah Humphrey to Humphrey. They have
1: that, like, the greatest event in, in TV history, they did Heart to Heart
0: You're an AJ, you're a Rick guy uh, Lord Jim the Fortuitous of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog is Warden of the West Lord George Stormsville the Cunning is Lord of the Chiliad and Warden of the East and Frozen is Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light, Defender of the Old Gods and Warden of the North. Lady Kelly McMath of Covington is Lady of the Villa Hills and Crescent Springs, Warden of the South. Lord James Tuttle is King of the Stepstones and Narrow Fleet, Commander of the Royal Fleet, consisting of the Narrow Fleet, led by flagship Caraxes, and the Bloodstone Fleet, led by flagship Prince Daemon. Our small council includes Lord Daniel, the Sneaky Russian, Master of Ships, Stan of House Reed, <laughs> Grand Maester of Via James, Lord Benjamin of House Hornwood, Master of Laws, Lord Fabian Flowers, the Bastard of Greenshield, Master of Coin, and Lord Johan of House Orkos, called Shadowhawk, Master of Whisperers. Our lords and ladies in their castles include Lady Direliz of Castle Naki, the Alpha Patron, Lord Dan of the Red Mountains and Castle Great Bells, Breaker of the Second Stone, Lord Skip of the Velt is Lord of Castle Ganges, Gregor the Toasty is Lord of Redfort, Alicia Everlasting of the Green Blood is Lady of Desert Rose, Lord Ryan of Castle Stonegate is guardian of the Rocky Mountain Pass. Lord Garen de Havilland is of Devil's Hand Keep. Ashlyn Winter is the Hawke's Eye, Lady of Castle Skyfall. Lady Mikkel of Moonacre is leader of the Werewood Protectorate Alliance. The Lord of the Halls of Castle Hillcrest is wielder of the Valyrian Steel Machete Everglazed. Lord Alstor Whitaker is Lord of the Dawnhold. Lord Pemi Snuggle Bunny is Guardian Ranger of the Hidden Hundred Acre Weirwood, Dual Wielder of Valyrian short swords, Glorious Morning and Little Lightwise, Sharpshooter of the Werewood and Ironwood Laminated Longbow, Todd Von Hoobank. Brian the Defender, Lord of the Spearfort, and Freelands is Last Scion of Clan McCulloch, Strength and Courage. And the Bastard of the Wolf's Wood is First Forester of the Old God, Sworn to House Iron Werewood, Listen for the Silence. Connor the Dungeon Master, Lord of Catamount Keep, and Guardian of the Smoky Mountain Pass is Lady Baelish. Uh, is his, his <laughs> not Lady Baelish <laughs> Whoops I've bled two names together I'm doing parallel patrons here <laughs> The Guardian of the Pokey Mountain Pass Period Then next patron is Lady Baelish Dark Widow Harrenhal <laughs> Lord Sidney Jesse Is the Fallborn Lord of Blue Spring uh, Nevesa the Twinhearted a suspected skin changer Is holder of the castle Carion. Sir Valentin of House to Jen Is creator of the Game of Predictions Free Game of Thrones predictions Futures Market There's a link to it on our website Supporters page Lady Leona Kelly of Wolf's Island is the protectress of the Steelhole. Casey Stark is of House Acres. Lady Kay of House Archer is Lady of Earth Dog Hall, Huntress of the Wolf's Wood, and Guardian of Maddie Squirrels Bane, the mighty Dire uh, King's Justice is Sir Troy the Steady, wielder of the Valerian Steel Blade Fate. Our Queen's High Council is uh, here you go, Shay.
1: Alright. Um, Bloody Ben Blackwood, Master of Whispers, Rebea, Star Eyes, Lady of Waves, and Mistress of Ships, Captain of the Iron Shadow Cat. In the shadows, we bear our claws. And there's Grand Maester Elizabeth, little daughter of Lyanna Mormont, First Lady of the Forge, Bolt, Silver, and valerian stealing. and currently I have no master or mistress of coin or laws. Wow. It is a lawless land that a lawless, I like. lawless
0: coinless with lawless, no currency. Yeah,
1: no currency, <laughs> but no no laws. It's like Burning Man. Basically, <laughs> basically that, that, that's it. Because Rebea so. Star
0: is a hidden, a, a secret White Walker with the stars. <laughs> Let's yeah. hmm, hmm, look uh-huh. into that. You may have a White Walker on your council. That's cool. We like Rebea. <laughs> White Walker, <laughs> <or> no. <laughs> uh, the Kingsguard Lord Commander is M- Miriam R. Uh, backed up by Sir Dolores D, longest tenured white sword, Willa Crowsbane, guardian of White Tree, the First Lady of the Free Folk, Sir Dean the White, knight of the Black Star, Sir George of House Pepsi, the Beverage Knight, and Gregor Snow called Snowbear, a bastard of Winterfell. And our Queen's Guard.
1: Is led by Lord Captain Commander Hema Helminth, the Sellsword Sentinel, and has Alexander of House Atreides from the Seat of Dune. I must not fear, fear is the mind killer. Alexander... Must be quite excited about *Doom* starting its filming.
0: Oh yeah, I bet. Uh, Boy, that's, well, that cast star, is amazing. Yeah.
1: Um, then we've got Becca the Bard, Songbird of the North, the the Melodious, Star of Oldtown, Mines Overmasters, Ser Rambo, Knight of House cannon First Blood, Ser Leon of House Walker, Wielder of the Twin Valyrian Steel Blades, Fire and Ice, and the werewood Bow Rain. Well equipped. Yes, and then. Last, but certainly not least, we have Amber the Adamant, the Knight of the Mist, and Mother of Squids. Right
0: on. And we have the Beard Guard, led by Lord Commander George the Golden, and backed up by Sir Joshua Oakheart, the White Oak, Lady Rita of the Coppermane, the Unbound, Dance the Fervor, Sir Jeff Warden of the AC, Wielder of Triad, the Multifaceted Beard of Platinum, Red, and Brown, Stay Frosty, Sir Tim Corgyle, is Mad Boy of the Western Desert, and Queen Helena von Lanstein is partying like it's 1999 since 1980 something. A kingdom for a drink. And last but certainly not least is the history of Westeros Night's Watch which is led by Lord Commander Benjen Umber the Silent Giant, wielder of the Valyrian Steel greatsword Winter's Kiss, and he is backed up by First Builder Megor Snow aka Megor the Cool, the Fire in the Snow, First Steward Sir Drurion of the Torrentine called Pale Wind, and First Ranger Sir Source Delica of House Gramercy. That certainly does it for today. Thank you very much, everybody, for attending. I hope these parallels have encouraged you to do some Valar rereading. Uh, and maybe if you find some new parallels that we missed, we'll definitely hit us up because we are 100% sure that there's more to these than we have found on our own. All right. See you all next time.